Good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Prince Charles is here on a Tuesday. Coming up in today's show, we will talk more about the impact of Jalen Hurts on Lamar Jackson. Also, we will preview Orioles Nationals. Really quick two-game set down in D.C. Our buddy uh, Pete Medhurst, who is part of the uh, Nationals broadcast team, is going to join us. He's also, of course, Navy play-by-play voice, and they've got a big game on Saturday night against Army. We'll preview the week that is. A huge week, obviously, with that game. And also, of course, Maryland Hopkins. Big top ten showdown coming up on Saturday night as well. Bummer that both those games are at night. Real bummer that that's how it worked out, that you couldn't spread them out with two huge games on Saturday. But we'll preview that with Patrick Stevens. Uh, Jarrett Bell from USA Today will join us talk a little bit more about Lamar and Jalen Hurts. All that coming up on the program this morning. Let's get right into it. A lamar meter update brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Uh, by the way, did you get a winner yesterday? Yeah, we need, we need to do that. Well, today. Let's well, work today. on that. Let's like to give it 24 that. hours, right? Uh, from when we posted it, which is at 10 o'clock. So that would be 24 hours. Okay. That's how that works. So there we go. Ooh, sorry. It's there. It's there. You can find it. It's there. Um, yesterday we let – what was the actual number? Because we had the, we had some tape oh, issues yeah, right. on the media uh, It was 81. Yesterday. 81. Well, that 81. doesn't look like 81 to no, me. No, it doesn't. Are we going to have to do this every day? I'll uh, I'll make sure I look at it uh, today. All right. We need to <laughs> this I would say it moves to the top of the list as far as uh, our concerns. The most important thing we have going on obviously is the status of the Lamar meter. So it was 81% that Tim Barbales moved it to yesterday and I would have never like I one we would have had to of course corrected that today. The question that you guys kept asking yesterday is what does Jalen Hurts deal mean for the meter? And I decided, first of all, that I wasn't going to immediately move it or do an emergency move, in part because I didn't know, unlike other things, that immediately can kind of give you, you know, statements, things that are said. It can give you a feel for where it is. I couldn't figure out what Jalen Hurts deal meant for the meter. Honestly, I couldn't. I, I mean, I sat there for... A couple of hours racking my brain going back and forth with some of you guys on Twitter. And I have feelings that we'll get to about the last 24 hours of discourse. But the meter itself, what does Jalen Hurts deal mean for the meter? As we said yesterday, after we finally dove, like immediate, the first numbers that come out, you're like, oh boy, that's great for Jalen Hurts. Then you get the real numbers about what's fully guaranteed, what's essentially guaranteed. And the only number that's much different than what the Ravens offered is the annual average salary. And so, and it's negligibly different. It's like a million dollars more. The Ravens could match that in order to make it work. Essentially, Jalen Hurts got what you could call roughly the same deal, there are areas where you could say Lamar got a better offer from the Baltimore Ravens. There's, I think, less than a million dollars more in injury guarantees in Jalen Hurts' deal. That's negligible. Lamar got guaranteed more, or had more fully guaranteed at signing in his deal. The reality is that ultimately, if Lamar Jackson is looking for 200 plus and fully guaranteed 
That didn't help him. But what's the reality beyond that? Because I saw a lot of discourse yesterday about how this further proves that the Ravens haven't lowballed Lamar Jackson and they've treated him with respect and all, all of this stuff. A little bit of a Ravens rah-rah, if you will. I've said this a lot. When there aren't games to be played, we oftentimes use scenarios to create winning replacement. Well, we can't win on the field today because the team isn't playing, so what can we feel like we won? And we, as, as fans... This is theater of the absurd. We do this after, like, press conferences. Well, they won that press conference. No one has ever done that. Ever. That's never happened. There have been some really bad ones. The Ravens didn't have a great one two weeks ago. They've lost press conferences. I don't even know that. I mean, like, I don't even know that you can go as far as, and I don't believe that either. You can't lose a press conference either. You can have bad ones. They should have. They should start we, keeping a score. We just, yeah, yeah, thank you. We just say things because that's that's it's in our nature. We're fans. We think we can win dumb things, like when some tweets going around about who's the best linebacker of all time. Who the f cares? Not that I think there's a debate. I, of course, would agree with you that I think Ray Lewis is the best true inside linebacker of all time. Now, how he compares against, say, Lawrence Taylor, conversation for a different day, my dudes. Who cares? But this is who we are. In our nature, everything is a win or a loss. Everything. We can't just accept things as being factually accurate. Like when I said before Odell Beckham that the team was worse than they were a year ago. They had lost Calais Campbell. Instead of saying, you're right, it's a, yeah, well, yeah, but they've got a bunch of uh, defensive linemen. We can't even accept fact because we have to win. Everything has to be a win. No one said, I think they're going to be a disaster along the defensive line. I think it's going to be the worst defensive line of all time. I said, they're factually worse than they were at the end of the season last year. Which is just fact. That's it. They don't have as many good players as they had a year ago. They might be okay. Maybe. Nobody knows. You don't know. I don't know. I understand. I think they've got some depth along the defensive line. I think... If there was an area where they could afford to lose something, that was probably the case. But factually speaking, they lost a significant part and didn't replace it with anything. It's an area where, on paper, they're worse. They also lost their you know, vocal leader defensively. You can hope that Roquan Smith will prove to be that guy. We don't know that yet. But this is we're not capable of just having these conversations because everything has to be viewed within the prism of winning and losing. And so when Jalen Hurts' contract offer becomes public, and we suddenly create into, well, this is a win for the Ravens, or this is a... I want to I try to have this conversation in as adult a way as possible. Nothing that happened yesterday leaves the Baltimore Ravens any closer to having finality with Lamar Jackson. I get it. You want to feel better. This is very much a guarantee fairy situation. This is very much a I can stick my head up a butcher's ass type of situation, but it's got to be your bull. Of course, neither one of you get that reference. Watch Tommy Boy. It's the greatest motion picture of all time. Oh, right. I, I did watch Tommy Boy. Yeah, well, yeah. it's one of the most important scenes in Tommy Boy. Yeah, great scene. 
Yes, it is. I'm aware, Griffin. God. I like T-Bones, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be sticking my head up a bull's ass. The point being, trying to make yourself feel better by saying, well, this is proof the Ravens offered Lamar Jackson something. Great. Now tell me how it's going to lead to Lamar Jackson doing a deal. Tell me how it is that you sitting back and saying, Ravens good, Lamar bad. Ravens right, Lamar wrong. Tell me how that's going to solve this. We live in a society where we want to do things like blame, where we want to be defensive, where we want to do those things. Instead of being in a society where we try to get to solutions. I deal with this all the time in management, constantly. I don't need defensiveness. I need solutions. Solutions. Tell me what happened in the last 24 hours that's got us closer to a solution when it comes to Lamar Jackson. Tell me. Anybody. I'll wait. Yeah, nothing. I can do the CM Punk thing. I'll sit down in the middle of the ring, and I'll just wait. You tell me. Crisscross applesauce. Yeah, I'll do that, 100%. Crisscross applesauce in the middle of the ring. We don't say the other thing that I said when I was a kid. (laughs) No longer call it that. It's crisscross. Nobody my age knew what crisscross applesauce was. It wasn't until I had kids that I was like, oh, right, because we don't call it the other thing. Got it. (laughs) Got it. I think it's the right thing to do. By the way, I'm not being. This isn't a cancel culture thing. It doesn't. It, it it leads me to like constantly think. What if Lamar, say, came back from his injury and played even against the Bengals? Because I think what well, I, let the Eagles do this is yes, the Super Bowl, but also the fact that Jalen Hurts came back from injury. I don't. I don't. I have. I have no idea. Led them to but the, the Super. The Bowl. Ravens have offered more than the Eagles offered Jalen Hurts. There's, there's not a. There, there's no disconnect. I am. We're having the wrong conversations, is what I'm saying. We're, we're debating about things that aren't debatable. There's a problem here. The Ravens believe, for good reason, they have offered an extraordinarily fair market contract to Lamar Jackson. Ravens fans have the right to believe that. You can believe that Lamar Jackson should take that offer. You can be reasonably critical about Lamar Jackson having played the last two seasons, for less money than he should have played for because two years ago he should have done a deal and gone back and tried to re-up that deal and kept leverage. You can be fairly critical. Now, you can't force him to do anything. That's his right. And that's where the problem comes in. That saying all of these things actually helps nothing in any way. You can keep saying well, this is further proof, and this is, Lamar just needs to do this. Great. Now, do you think he's going to do it today? Do you think today Lamar Jackson is going to say, well, geez, if that's what Jalen Hurts got, I'm just going to have to go stick my tail between my legs and go back and take the deal the Ravens offered to begin with? No, and that's, I guess that's, you know, as much, because we want, we want it to mean something, even if it's maybe even bad news, I guess, for, like, if, like if there were a loser, per se, you know, even, like, we just want news, I feel like. I, I, and we're I trying think it's so less hard. that we want news. I think we want to feel like we're winning. Like, that's the, I, it's, we, winning replacement. This is something that I first recognized when the Orioles were dreadful, and anything that they could do, anything an Orioles fan could do to feel something positive, they would do. They would literally, like, try to, Felix P.A. would try to make you feel good at night. 
We want to feel like we have a warm blanket around he us. First cycle, didn't he? Yes, he did. That's a fact. It's pretty good. He was dreadful. <laughs> he was an abomination. He was awful. Um, man, I don't know what else there is to say. He was horrendous. But man, I would get into some fights with some people about. He has, he has all the tools. He's a five-tool player. Yes, well, why isn't he good? What was the most bases he stole in a year? I don't like, know. He didn't steal that many. Well, he didn't ever get on base enough yeah. to have stolen all that many bases. <laughs> he was he was a five-tool player that didn't use any of the tools in playing baseball. It's a different conversation for a different day. 21 stolen bases in his I career. I mean, there in his career. In his career. Career. In his career. Yes. Oh, my. I, the number of people that wanted to scream at me about how he was a five-tool player and the Orioles have found the gem in Felix P.A. His rookie year, he stole eight bases for the Cubs. <laughs> He scored so. You know, we're awesome spending way too much time on Felix PA. We're doing the Lamar meter right now. Um, say it, say it till you're blue in the face. Continue to talk about it. Continue to try to make yourself feel better by feeling like the Ravens have done right. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't get you closer. And you would say, so what? Are you saying you got to? You just got to overpay Lamar to overpay him? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's possible if Lamar Jackson is completely unwilling to budge from this, if he continues to say, I don't care what other quarterbacks get. I'm playing for this, period. Or I'm not doing a deal. It doesn't help you. You could say, you don't think he's negotiating fairly. Fine. I, fine. It'd be like coming, someone coming to me and saying, you know, uh, I, I, I want you to work this job for this amount of money. And me saying, yeah, I don't really feel like doing that. I, I'd rather spend Sunday night with my kids. And them saying, well, yeah, but you're not going to get a better offer. I'm like, I, I don't think you understand. I don't care. This is the reality that faces the Ravens. What faces the Ravens is, if they don't get a deal done... They can do this for two more years, and then they run the risk of losing their quarterback and having nothing to show for it. And at some point, that might be the best option. Or is it a better option to simply overpay and not deal with that? We keep trying to make ourselves feel better, but we can't change reality within those circumstances. I can't make it so that Jalen Hurts not getting fully guaranteed money means Lamar Jackson waltzes back to the Baltimore Ravens and says, all right, that was the one I was waiting for. I tried. You go ahead and tell me what it is that you want to offer me. And nothing that we have seen throughout this process suggests that's going to be the case. Could it be? I guess. Anything could happen. Anything. We can sit here until we're blue in the face debating about Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and who's better and all. We can do that and waste our breath, and I'm sure we'll spend more time doing that. But it doesn't change anything. It's just us trying to feel better about ourselves or, I don't know, prove that we're right or some other nonsense. It changes nothing about the actual reality of the circumstance. Which is that we have seen no inclination that Lamar Jackson is willing to just accept that that's what market value is for him and take what market value is for him. He believes his market value should be Deshaun Watson. 
So I don't know. Where do I move the number to? I, the reality is I, I'm I'm going back to 86, I think. 86. 86. So you are dropping it for where you were Friday. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'm in a weird place. I don't I don't know because the no. Hang on a second. Lombardi. I forgot about Lombardi. I didn't get to react to the Lombardi thing. I forgot about that. I didn't. I never actually said a number related to. the You Lombardi. took your hand off of it though. Isn't that the rule? Like no, once you release not. your hand from the the arrow. No, that's not it at all. Ninety. Back to ninety. 90. Okay. But you got to explain this. Like, I don't really think the Jalen Hurts contract has has any impact on what Lamar is going to do. Like, other contracts have been done, and Lamar still hasn't moved. So I don't think that suddenly this one is going to be the one that makes Lamar Jackson say, that's it. I now know. There's nothing else to see here. This is what it is that I can get, and nothing more than that. Can I, can I hope that at some point that's what he says? You guys can keep talking about, well, if he only had an agent. I, I keep Lamar Jackson got a better offer than Jalen Hurts without an agent. We we have to I think Lamar Jackson should have an agent. I agree. But as I said a million times before, if Lamar Jackson tells that agent, this is what I'm willing to do and this is what I'm not willing to do, then nothing changes. And the offer that he got has more fully guaranteed money than the offer that Jalen Hurts got. And he said no. So we can keep trying to make this be about an agent. And I'm not telling you that I don't th- I think Lamar Jackson should have one. But the problem isn't the agent. The problem is Lamar Jackson has made a decision that he wants something and he's not budging off of it. And until he does... I don't know that it matters. Because the leverage he continues to have is no one can force him to do a deal. That's his leverage. And we want to ignore that and we want to pretend like it'd be stupid. No one can force him to do a deal. He can continue to say, clearly the Ravens care about his opinion. He definitely has some amount of power over them because he apparently was the one that said, get me DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham and empowered the Ravens to drastically overpay Odell Beckham. You want to feel better about yourself? Go ahead, shove your head up your butcher's ass. I don't know. But I don't know how to solve how any of this is going to help the conversation. The question is, what's going to get Lamar to come to the table? 90%. 90%. That's my decision. 90%. Uh, and it's not about Jalen Hurts. It's way more about the fact that I didn't get to react to Mike Lombardi's report from last week. Lamar Meter update is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. We're going to talk some more about Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts as we continue along here on a Tuesday edition of the program. Our next guest, of course, longtime friend of ours, NFL writer for USA Today. He's got a column up today about Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. He is Mr. Jarrett Bell, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Jarrett, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up. Thank you for taking a minute for me this morning. Hey, Glenn. It seems like the last time we talked, it was about Lamar yeah. Jackson and his 
content. And I'm pretty sure so, at the end of that, I said, uh, I look forward to talking to you about it a hundred more times before it's done. <laughs> no, let's not. <laughs> let, let, hey, next time, uh, it'll be a done deal, and uh, I'll be happy, and Baltimore will be having a parade. Anyway, here's here's my here's my problem, Jared. Like I understand people saying, "Hey, look, this is this is proof the Ravens have offered Lamar Jackson a fair contract." You know, I understand all of these things. The problem is, I still don't understand if Lamar Jackson didn't care the last time about what the fair market was for him. I don't know why he's going to suddenly care this time about what the market appears to show his value to be. I I, I think he has just sort of decided he's dug in, and I don't know what's changing that now. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the frustrating things for, you know, people on the outside who are um, trying to stay on top of it, for one, the fans um, who love Lamar and love this football team, they are obviously frustrated, the, the team, because they want their quarterback, and I'm sure there's some frustration um, from Lamar's side and camp, too, in terms of, you know, getting to the point where they're comfortable. The thing that really just this trips me out, um, Glenn, is the fact that, you know, we go back to the years and where was it and what the numbers were and what the offers were and how it was, you know, all that. And then you go, you kick the can down the road six months later, a year later, pick your your point, your marker, right? right. And and, it, and the conditions change. The, 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 the quarterback market changes, the guarantees for this guy the one thing that hadn't changed is Deshaun Watson's contract <laughs> being out there as an outlier. But um, I, I think that's the thing that's really um, uh, a moving frustration because you think that the deal is fair. And, and so if that ESPN report about what they offered um, last, <clears throat> last fall is accurate, and, and I'll say, okay, that's what they were told. And um, if that was – the case, then yeah, you say, wow, he had that that he that he rejected. But you know, how does that change now? You, you're gonna have, it's not going to be the same offer. It just never is six months down the line. And then, what if Joe Burrow gets a new contract next week? You know, how does that change everything? So, I don't know if I've enlightened you at all. Probably not. <laughs> but I've added to the conversation. J- Jared, here's let me, let me ask this question, because I think the last time you and I talked, we talked about the role of the Players Association and what Lamar might feel like he's doing as a fighter right now. I wonder if there's a point where the Players Association has to kind of like publicly say, we release you, right? Like, we, we, don't, we don't want you to feel an obligation to do this any longer. We appreciate the fight that you've attempted to show, your your you know your your colleagues are not willing to show the same amount of fight, and we think that you're you're running the risk of hurting yourself and losing money in the process, and we don't want you to do that anymore. And I know that's a difficult thing to do because it feels like you're fighting the right fight, but at, at some point, does someone need to get in Lamar's ear and say, we we can't run the risk of you going through this process? Maybe suffering an injury and losing out on a lot of money in the in the process of trying to do this on in our on our behalf. Yeah, that that would be nice. <laughs> I don't see that happening because look at it, Glenn. They've not come out and said anything publicly like um, that would you know declare that they are endorsing the way he's going about it. They they've not done that. So maybe they've done it 
in terms of speaking on background or behind closed doors, but definitely nothing publicly, you know. And so um, for them to come out now and say something publicly, that just would not be consistent with, with how they're, you know, trying to do it. And, and hey, there are examples out there. There's few. And there's one I can think of. What's his name? Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And you can say, well, here's what happened with, um, you know, a guy who got, you know, all guaranteed money and, and held out or negotiated for that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just I think one of the things that, you know, the NFLPA going way back before DeMorris, just thinking back, before DeMora Smith, thinking back to, you know, what Gene Upshaw used to always say about it and in, in that the money that you get guaranteed at signing, I mean, that's your real guarantee, your signing bonus, right. um, the other injury guarantees. And so we still have to look at these contracts like that because we're, we're just not at the point, and NFL is not at the point where you're able to look at those contracts and say um, that they compare to baseball and the NBA. That's no newsflash here. Um, so in lieu of that, you know, where does a guy find his peace if he's a player who's risking himself? Um, you, you, it's got to be in those other guarantees and those injury risk guarantees, which, you know, from everything that's been reported, you know, part of that is definitely, you know, a major component of the, Lamar, the offers that Lamar has had, but obviously not to the point where he's ready to. Um, accepted. Just another minute here with Jarrett Bell from USA Today talking about the impact of uh, the Jalen Hurts deal on Lamar Jackson. Uh, Jarrett, I guess my question would be, is there a way for Lamar to save face here? If if he starts to read the tea leaves and say, look, I've tried, it's not coming, I, I should try to save face in this process. Like, Is there a way for yeah. him to do it and and not make it look like he lost? Is it important for the Ravens to try to structure a deal that makes him feel like he somehow still won in the process, even if he didn't get exactly what he wanted. Yeah, you want it to be win-win. You always want these kind of negotiations, especially to be win-win. But I think, you know, the point that you you, you allude to when you start talking about ego and, um, you know, the optics of it, I think that's important here moving forward. It really is. So not first they got to get a deal done. But, right. you know, how you get the deal done – and how it's portrayed, I think, is 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 really really important. Um, and so, you know, from Lamar's standpoint, do you you know take a deal that maybe you really really didn't want? It's not as good as you wanted. Maybe it's ninety percent of what you wanted. I mean, I, you know, look on the flip side, man. The money that's been left there on the table already now for the past two years since they like Josh Allen got his deal. I don't know if he's ever going to get that back. And, you know, if, if, if you get a contract that blows out, if, if you get the, the Sean Watson's contract um, and it's all guaranteed, fine. Um, that's great. But let's just talk about the dollars. Would that make up for the tens of millions that you didn't get over the past couple of years because you've been, digging in on this point. I, I've not done the math on that, but yep. I don't think the math would, would support that. Oh, so. no, he's lost money. There's no question. Like, he has lost yeah, money. Yeah. He has not played for what yeah. his market value would be, you yeah. know, even mm-hmm. in a normal world over the course of this process. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, Jared, do, yeah. do you think that this, like, do you think that now another year of quarterback deals, <laughs> like, at some point, 
there will be a moment, a come to Jesus moment, where he sits down and says, it's not worth it any longer. Like, I have to. Or do you think that he is just so dug in that it, it kind of doesn't matter what other deals get done and he's going to ride this thing out as long as he possibly can? Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard for me to give an educated answer on that because, you know, you would think that it would, but I would also have thought that you would have had an agent you know, a couple years ago, yep. hammering out a deal and would not have to be in the mid- middle of it. So, you know, from the standpoint of what, what I think and what's logical, it's, you know, it, it, it really doesn't matter because he's proven to, to kind of do it his way and be comfortable enough in himself to, to want to do it his way. But, you know, as I mentioned in the column today, boy, it would have been great yep. to have, you know, Nicole Lynn <laughs> hit him up on, on DM, with a DM on Instagram and, and go to work on his behalf. I think that's the thing that it just keeps coming back to me. And I know, I, you know, I, I can um, appreciate the guys who try to uh, negotiate their own deals and, and feel that they can do it. But, you know, I mean, what, you're paying an agent like 3% and you, you can, can save yourself a whole lot of aggravation and, and could, you know, actually maybe stand them to make more by using one. So um, that part of it, I just, I just still don't understand. Right. And I just think that there's something to be said to the fact that, you know, you could stay out of the negotiations yourself directly and let the agent do their job and make their 3%. Right. So I hear you. you know. it, it, I know I need to let you go. Is there a 30-second way for you to answer this question? Is there any chance that new ownership group in Washington rocks the apple cart here and says, we want to make a splash, we want to get this, <laughs> this fan base back on board with everything, we want to be the ones, and if we've got to pay an absurd price in order to do that, hell, we're already paying an absurd price for a franchise with no fan base at the moment. Um, is there any chance that, that that could sort of be a crazy part of this process? Yes, that, that's, a great, that's a great question. It really is. Um, I would just be speculating, and I would be liking it as, a, <laughs> as, as someone covering the NFL, always looking for uh, something fresh to write about. So it would be appealing um, from that standpoint. But, yeah, I think there's definitely an X factor to consider in terms of, you know, what the commander's new owner and his, you know, his, his leaders will do because they've got a lot. They've got to win in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, the product on the field, the fans, the stadium, getting the community support. They've got a lot of different ways, and that's why I think, you know, you know, Magic Johnson is a is a limited partner in this deal. But I think he's gonna really. He has the potential to do a lot in terms of them, you know, bridging the gap with the community. But then you talk about what you just mentioned. That's the on the field thing. Uh, yeah, if you're gonna go and spend all this money for this franchise, um, why not see if you can, you know, juice it up in, in other ways? It would as be quickly as you, possible. you would get a fan base really fired up really quickly. There's no doubt about that. Yes, indeed. At Jarrett yeah, Bell so. on on Twitter, of course, USAToday.com, where you see his stuff. Jared, I know I kept you long. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for doing this. Right. Okay, Glenn, you take care, man. It's Jared, yep. Jared okay. Bell, longtime NFL writer, checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Again, I, I get it. I get, you know, in his column, he says it'd be nice if, if Nicole Lynn had hit Lamar Jackson up the way that she did Jalen Hurts a while back. Sure, fine. I, 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 I get it. But Lamar got the same offer without an agent. In some areas, a 
better offer without an agent. What we're saying, we're saying it the wrong way. Does he need an agent? Not necessarily. Could he use maybe some better advice in general? Yeah. Like that, I think, is a fair thing to say. John from Little Rock pointed out to me that Drew thinks that this is the end of the line, that now the deal gets done in the next 30 days. I, yeah. I, I hope he's right, but I, I just don't know what that's... I, I feel like we're basing our opinions off of more, more commonplace considerations. I feel like we're basing our opinions off of more traditional negotiations. I don't know. I, could it get done? I guess. What makes you believe that this is the moment where Lamar Jackson changes everything? We keep trying to make it seem like the Ravens have all the leverage. They've already admitted they don't because they drastically overpaid for a wide receiver to pacify Lamar Jackson. They know. They know. There's still leverage on the other side. It's not traditional leverage. It's leverage that I don't think Lamar Jackson wants to use. But it exists. And whether or not it actually helps him, it sure as F hurts the Ravens. A scenario where they never get a deal done with Lamar Jackson hurts them. Whether it be because he decides to hold out, whether it be because he decides not to play, whether it simply is that they have a franchise quarterback that walks away in exchange for a third-round compensatory pick. All of it potentially hurts the Ravens. And to continue to ignore that because you don't like it, I get it. It's not fun, but it's real. Who's at greater danger? I, my God, man, I don't have the answer to that question. And it doesn't mean that the Ravens have done anything wrong. It's not a blame game. It's a what's the next move. And nothing that I've seen from Lamar Jackson makes me think it's, man, I'll just accept defeat. Because and has he lost money though? I mean, we say he, he yes, is he's definitely money. Pa- played until already. he signs a deal though. Stop, stop. The last two seasons, he's played for less money than he needed to play right, for. Right, right. He has that. lost money in the process. But all it takes is this new ownership in Washington. All it takes is Ursa to just well, be like, yeah, you if know, if someone's willing it. to and do that, he yes, makes all that money back. I know he doesn't make all that money back. He can't. He's not going to get so much more than market value this season. We we keep conflating contract value versus guaranteed money what he's going to get paid in a contract is no different whether it's fully guaranteed or not it's the same amount of money he can't make that back up he's already lost that money and if he plays on the normal tag this year he's obviously going to lose a lot more i still don't believe that's going to occur i don't think that will happen but it only add to it he has lost significant money that he can't get back 
I guess I'm just trying to maybe point out maybe he doesn't believe that he's lost money yet. Well, yes. Or he might not care. I think yeah. that's the different part. He might not care that he's lost less, that he has made less money playing the position the last two years than he could have made if he had done a deal a couple of years ago. And again, I've, yeah. I've always talked about, I don't understand why the quarterbacks don't just all acknowledge they have all the leverage and just demand new contracts every year. I'll never understand that. And no one can ever give me a direct answer. They just sort of give me, even agents that you talk to are like, well, I, you know, I don't know. That's just not the way it's worked. Why not? If you're the quarterback and you're a franchise quarterback, why don't you say every year, whatever the price is for a quarterback, you've got to bump me up to that number? If you're Josh Allen, why didn't you immediately walk in and do that? Well, because, you know, you want to you work together. You want to be good partners. Why? If you get hurt, promise me, I promise you, they're not going to be your good partner. They're going to do everything they can to get their money back. Why are you worried about being a good partner? Well, because that's money that could be spread around the salary cap. In theory, that sounds good. If you believe that's the way it's going to work, that sounds like a reason to do it. If you feel like you've got enough, and that by not taking more, that money can be spent in better ways. If you believe that, if you believe in your front office, that's a good point. Does it actually happen? I'd be interested in knowing the opinion of a lot of guys over the years. A ask Aaron Rodgers if he felt feels like that money was spent wisely by the Packers. Just, you know, for what it's worth. That's all I'm saying. All right, uh, we got to get to a break. When we come back in, Patrick Stevens will join us. Huge week in college lacrosse to talk about that. Maryland has rounded out its coaching staff. They have made a move today to elevate uh, my buddy Greg Manning Jr. to an assistant coach role. He's kind of had a bunch of different role, roles with Maryland over the years. We'll uh, talk to Patrick about that when we come back in. Today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball season, for the first time ever, you can bet on your phone here in the state of Maryland on baseball games. So take advantage of great sign-up offers and incentives. Right now, like you can go to PressBoxOnline.com offers, click on the DraftKings link, and get up to a $1,000 deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet. But the only way to take advantage of it is by going to PressBoxOnline.com offers. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. 
That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grinder? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It is a Tuesday edition of GCR. On Tuesdays, we dive into the world of college sports with our friend, Mr. Patrick Stevens, at Discourse, D1S Course. Of course, Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Patrick, good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm well, Glenn. How are you doing? All right. Um, <laughs> it feels like Greg Manning Jr. Like has probably had every role possible in his tenure with Maryland basketball. He gets elevated back to an assistant coach's role today, replacing Grant Billmeyer. What is it that people should know about what Greg Manning Jr. has brought to this Maryland program over the years? Well, he obviously has some connection to the past. Obviously, Dad was a, was a great player for, for Lefty Drizel back in the day. But this is a guy that, that is, uh, you know, between his time at Loyola, Siena, uh, now at Maryland, uh, just a really organized young coach. And, uh, you know, I bet I could tell you uh, with a straight face that he actually took over as the head coach in a game when, like, three guys got ejected. I'd be lying, but you could probably, <laughs> like, you could probably, you know, in the in the in the Danny Manning era, there, yeah. like you probably could, I could probably convince you of that, right? Yeah. Because those games just kind of flew by, and nobody yeah. really paid that much attention. <laughs> That's a fair point, man. It's probably true. Um, and look, someone who obviously cares a lot about the program, and um, you know, has has done everything, and I think is, deserves every opportunity. I like Greg Manning a lot, so I'm I'm happy for him, and um, you know, I. It's interesting because I don't I don't think of Greg as like a, a huge recruiter or something like that, but I do know that a lot of guys will talk about the relationship they've had with Greg over the years. Like he has had an influence despite maybe not ever being like the lead recruiter for this program. Yeah, and and he's been around for a while too, yes. right? Like you said, they've been in a bunch of different roles, and uh, you know when you size it up, uh, I think in a lot of ways, he probably feels he has to probably feel pretty good too, just about the the situation of sitting there and seeing two guys on the staff last year going and getting head coaching jobs. That's a great so, point. 
Uh, you know, I think I think for him, it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to to build his resume because not hard to imagine him running running a program of his own sometime down the road. All right. Now, the big stories this week, of course, are in college lacrosse as we end up. Unfortunately, they're both at the same time on Saturday night, but two huge games. Um, let me begin with Army-Navy uh, for this week and the realities that are ahead for Navy as this turnaround has continued. They have continued rolling. What is their reality based on what happens on Saturday night? Well, they're already locked into a spot in the conference tournament, so that's a good thing for them. I, I think the one thing that, that it becomes <coughs> a little hard, they're certainly not going to get um, – home field advantage throughout the conference tournament. That is That appears to be out of reach at this point. Um, I guess it's not technically, but in all likelihood, it would be a long shot for them to be able to do that. So I think for them what they want to do is uh, is to try to do as best they can to maybe get a second-place finish, get a bye into the, into the semifinals of the Patriot League tournament. Otherwise, uh, what a win basically does is it ensures that they'll be playing a quarterfinal home game mm-hmm. uh, the first Tuesday in May, which could very well come against Loyola in a rematch of that game from, from last Friday, so uh, or a couple of Fridays ago. So I think if you're Navy, what you're doing at the very least is, A, you've got, a, you've got your rivalry game, uh, which takes precedence over everything. Uh, but big picture, uh, you're in a spot where there's a chance for you to kind of work your way into a situation where you're going to be uh, the team that's, you know, maybe second place in the league, which, you know, you play one less game, you've got a much better chance of being able to win that conference tournament. Uh, and a win basically locks you in uh, to, le- at minimum, having a home game. So at least you don't have to travel anywhere uh, for that first day of the tournament. And and they, of course, are not in a place where they, can, they, they can't get in unless they get the automatic qualifier. No, 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 no. Yeah. That, that's, that's not going to happen. It, yeah. it, it is Patriot League tournament or bust for Navy. Uh, and so the fewer games that they have to play in that tournament, the better off it is for them. I assume at this point now, after what happened on Saturday, we, we finally got to the same point with Loyola, right? I, I think so, and, and I think that if there is really any sort of hope at all for the Greyhounds to salvage any kind of at-large possibility, they, they would have to win out until, for example, a conference tournament title game or right. something like that. And that includes tonight against Georgetown. I, I think whatever... Whatever little faint hope there is of an of an at large for Loyola, if if they lose to the Hoyas, that that pretty much does it. Does yeah, it for good. That's the sense that I got again. That game tonight at seven o'clock over at Ridley Athletic Complex. <laughs> uh, of course, the other one being a Hopkins Maryland, and you know, for as weird a season maybe as Maryland has had this year, uh, I, I this shapes up to be a pretty classic Hopkins Maryland type of game on Saturday night, right? It's, yeah, well, think about this. I mean, this is this is only about a year remo- year or so removed from Maryland going in and, and hanging a 15-goal right. victory over Hopkins at Homewood um, on senior day, all that stuff. And, and right now, like, I mean, granted, Maryland just probably put together its best game, at least since the Virginia, uh, when they won down there. And, and maybe even, I think you could make a case it's one of their best games of the season, what they what they did to Rutgers, really just kind of kind of played the way I, I think – I thought they were going to play this year, right? Or the defense was really firmly in control and the offense did, did its part early. And then they just kind of coasted in basically not to, not to suggest that they weren't trying hard or anything, but essentially mm-hmm. they had the game in, in hand uh, by, by early in the third quarter. And so this is a Maryland team that uh, obviously has had great success against Hopkins of late. Hopkins is a team that's coming off one of its best games of the year, having 
hammered Ohio State. Uh, both teams are three and one. The winner gets at least a share of the Big Ten regular season title. Maryland would get the number one seed if it wins. Um, Hopkins gets the one if it wins, and Penn State loses to Rutgers on Friday. Uh, so a lot at stake, you know. Plus that big old crab trophy as well. Uh, and this has the feel of a much more significant Maryland Hopkins game than what we've seen over the last few years. Although remember, you know. Go back two years ago to the pandemic season, and Maryland had drubbed them, drubbed the Blue Jays pretty good in College Park, and it took a wild comeback right. uh, to be able to win that game. You go back to the conference tournament last year; it's a couple weeks after Maryland handled Hopkins with ease, and you know they just kind of they, they weren't in any danger, but they kind of slogged their way through. So interesting and weird things have a way of happening in this series. Um, and I'm I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure that there really is anything that would qualify as weird. I, I think it's actually two pretty evenly matched teams, and it it feels good going into this game, kind of looking at that as a well, you don't have really a, a great sense as to what's going to happen because that really hasn't been the case for the last few years. Patrick Stevens is with us here on GCR. I, I think the point that you just made is exactly what I was feeling, which is like yes, to to the point, like it's Hopkins Maryland, and so it's always going to be Hopkins Maryland, but. You and I certainly know over the years from like when there is an electricity, when both teams are good, when it feels like it matters. I don't know that there's something about that event that seems to mean a little bit more than when you know the Hopkins has been down the last couple of years and it's harder to sell it. It's... Yeah, and I, I will say this that just simply based on the size of the venue, you get that vibe a little bit more when at Hopkins, no doubt. Than no, doubt. Park. no doubt. I mean, just the reality of it, let's yep. say you're going to draw 7,000. 7,000 in a 10,000 seat facility, yep. you know, you've got kind of a festival atmosphere. You do that in College Park and, you know, it, the, the place is what, about yeah, mostly 15, empty. 20% full. Yeah. So, so there's a little bit of that. That said, you still got the parking lots, you still got the trash talk, you, you know, you got the bragging rights, all that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I think after the last few years when Hopkins had decidedly been down with them, I'm not, I'm not going to since they're an anoint them as a Final Four team and, and you know, declare that they're back. But they're certainly back to being relevant. Uh, you know, I, I think it certainly has a little bit more of a pep to, to the game this year uh, than it has for the last few seasons. And to your point, there is obviously the opportunity that teams could play again in Homewood Field before the season is over in the Big Ten tournament. Yes. Um, yes. I, I, it, would not, it would not be a surprise if they were playing again in two Saturdays. Is Hopkins safely in? Like, is there is there any can, can they screw it up at this point, or are they definitely in? No, no, I, 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 they're pretty much they're pretty much out of games to lose at this point. Okay, like, losing to Maryland, losing to Maryland isn't going to hurt it. You know, and you look at the schedule that they put together, and it wasn't necessarily full of brand names, but so many of those teams turned out to be really good. Like Jacksonville's eleven and two, they beat them. St. Joe's is I think eight and four, and they lead the A ten. Utah's eight and four, and they lead the Atlantic Sun. Delaware's nine and three, and they lead the CAA. And, and so they just strung together all these games. Plus, you know, even when you look at the teams that they lost to, they lost to Carolina, who's in the at-large mix. You, they lost to Loyola, which obviously faded a little bit later on in the year. You know, they lost to Penn State, which is another team that's in really solid shape to make the tournament at this point. I think the Nittany Lions are another bunch that are basically out of games to lose that, that could knock them out of the field. Uh, and so, and they lost to Virginia, which is a loss that doesn't really hurt anyone. So, 
you know, I, I think I think Hopkins is safely in the field, and, and, and honestly, I, I think if they win one more game somewhere, it's going to be hard to imagine them not playing at home wow. in the first round of the tournament, whether that's beating Maryland on Saturday or at least winning a first-round Big Ten tournament game, uh, you know, against an Ohio State or a Rutgers or a Michigan just to sort of take care of business against those teams again. I, I think that based on the on the computer numbers, it's really hard to imagine Hopkins getting knocked out of that top eight. Uh, before I ask you about the national picture, I guess the other local team that we need to discuss is Mount St. Mary's, right? Yes, Mount St. Mary's is, is on a on a roll here. They've won seven in a row. They now lead the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference by a game. I know when we talked to Tom Gravanti back at, in late January or early February or whenever we, we, we did our preview show, you know, there was the sense was, well, hey, can they get into the top four in the in the Metro Atlantic? And now they're on the verge of, of clinching uh, hosting rights for the conference tournament. If, if, if they can beat uh, if they can beat Siena on Saturday, uh, the uh, MAC tournament will be up in Emmitsburg. That could create a very fun little doubleheader that first Saturday in May. That game uh, up in Emmitsburg at 11 a.m. and then the Big Ten final in Baltimore at 5:30. Uh, and so Mount St. Mary's winners of seven in a row uh, in really good shape. Uh, they're not necessarily throttling people left and right, but they're playing really good lacrosse. Um, and the Mountaineers very much in the mix, uh, not only to host that conference tournament, but possibly get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in a while. And then, you know, as we as we do, as we are getting to the point where we're winding down the regular season, which is kind of crazy to think <laughs> since basketball just ended a couple of days ago, um, what are the other big storylines as we head towards postseason play? Well, I, I think first off, talk about the, the Duke-Notre-Dame-Virginia trio atop the AC. And, and how they've taken turns beating each other here over the last few weeks. You know, Notre Dame got the weekend off. They get Carolina twice more, but they also have another trip to Virginia who they lost to. Duke has swept Virginia, uh, and Notre Dame beat Duke. So uh, I think those are the three teams that have kind of separated themselves, and barring something really unexpected, those are going to be, in some order, the top three seeds in the NCAA tournament. You know, we mentioned uh, Penn State in passing there a minute ago, but I think they're really one of the more fascinating teams this season. You know, they had been really, really down the last couple of years. Some of it was because of injury. Some of it was because, you know, Grant Ament was no longer around. And you're starting to wonder just what, when were they going to get themselves back to anything close to where they were in 2019 when they were the number one seed in the tournament and made the Final Four for the first time. Well, this is the year that that's happened uh, with those three Ivy League wins early in the year. And speaking of that, the, you know, the Ivy League last year was the real darling. You had six teams make the NCAA tournament. This year, that number is going to be probably somewhere between one and three. I think Cornell is in very good shape to, to get in that large bid. And Penn and Yale have been hovering around 500. Princeton's at 502. But Penn and Yale in particular have good RPI and strength of schedule numbers. But there's still a few weeks to go, and it's, it'll be interesting to see exactly how that league shakes out here over the next couple of weeks, like I say, you know, there's a number of dangerous teams, particularly dangerous offensive teams in that league. Princeton and Yale very much come to mind there. But, uh, you know, they're, they're still, you know, you're looking at it, and Princeton at 5-5, five and five, Yale at 6-4, and four, Penn at 5-5. Five and five. You know, this is not a, quite the magic of last year when the right. Ivy teams were all fired up after having not gotten to play the year before. Uh, and I don't think Duke's going to get left out this year because of no Duke, yeah. Duke and Notre Dame are yeah. not going to be sweating yeah. bullets on uh, on selection. Far different scenario, no doubt about it. All right, it's time to play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for? I begin with someone who was only an All Star once, but was 
a World Series MVP, and in the same year, the NLCS MVP. It was a heck of a postseason back in 2011. Four teams for David Freeze. David Freeze. Uh, well, St. Louis for sure, That's right? obviously where he was. Uh, all of those accomplishments occurred. And Pittsburgh. He was in Pittsburgh Most certainly sure, was right? in Pittsburgh, yes. And and now we have two like leftover spots for David Freeze. One I remember um, significantly. The other I didn't remember. Okay. Um, am I... Well, let's let's first of all let's let's do what I always do and say the Dodger. That's a, that's the one I didn't remember. He was most certainly a Dodger oh. at the end of his career for two seasons. So you're missing. And then I'll throw I'll, I'll throw Arizona out. Oh man, I actually remember this well. He went from St. Louis to the Angels. The Angels, yes, correct. He spent two okay. years with the Angels in fourteen and fifteen before he went to the Pirates. And then uh, one more, uh, a two-time All-Star, a man who uh, hit a pretty emotional home run once upon a time. He was a he led the league in triples once. He led the league in stolen bases three times. A former Gold Glove and Silver Slugger winner. Four teams for D. Gordon. D. Gordon. Uh, well, D. Gordon was definitely in Miami, right? Most certainly, that's where he famously hit the home run. Yeah. And then Seattle, correct? Uh, after Miami, he was in Seattle. So I I also struggled with the one. I thought you would get the one at the end. Um, last year, he spent some. He spent somewhere last year, and he actually started his career four years somewhere else. Well, he was in Washington last year. That's correct? where he was last year, correct? And uh, he was a Dodger, right? There you go. There you. Go. It's always a safe bet. Always a safe bet, four for four on D. Gordon. I, I know you're at Loyola tonight. What's the rest of the week look like for you? Uh, we'll be uh, we'll be at Hopkins, Maryland on on Sunday or Saturday. Not Sunday. If I right. get there, then it's not going to be good. <laughs> right. But uh, but uh, I'll I'll be at Hopkins, Maryland on Saturday. It was a, it was a tough call. Yep. Which is yep. which is you know I I really wish that that Army Navy game was in its afternoon slot like it normally is. But we know how TV works, and they they're going to do what TV's going to do. Uh, and so it's sort of Knocks out the possibility of a neat doubleheader uh, this weekend. So heading to, heading to College Park uh, to see who ultimately gets a share of the Big Ten title. Yeah, that's a bummer that they couldn't have. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. That's the way it works. TV dictates everything. At Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter is how you follow him. Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine. Patrick, always appreciate you, sir. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday, and I'll see you tonight. Thanks so much for having me, Glenn. Patrick Stevens with us as he is every Tuesday here on GCR. Look, if you've never, by the way, hour number one of today's show is in the books. Also brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Two things. First, if you've never been, Patrick's point is well taken. Hopkins, Maryland is not quite the same in College Park as it is at Hopkins. His, he's right about this. For those of us that have been to many of these games over the years, we know the, the atmosphere when it feels like a place is packed, in some years it's been gen- like there have been years at Homewood Field where there have been literally no seats available, no tickets available to get in. That energy is a little bit different than when you've got 10,000 people in a 60,000-seat stadium. 
it it just feels different. It's still the same amount of people. Like I I get it. Somebody told that doesn't make any sense. Go experience it, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It feels different, and yet because they confine everyone into the same area at Maryland Stadium for lacrosse games, you still get a real atmosphere and a real energy for a Hopkins-Maryland game at Maryland. It's just not quite the same as the craziness of a Hopkins game or a game at Hopkins. What I would tell you is if you've never been, and I say this all the time, if you're a Baltimore sports fan, and by that you mean you like the Ravens and the Orioles and like Maryland basketball if they're good, that's fine. There's nothing. I'm not trying to tell you how to be a fan. But I, I wish that you'd be willing to expand your horizons a little bit. I've, I've said a lot over the years. It's always a bummer to me when, when someone who's a local sports fan is like, yeah, and I love the Capitals. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. If you like hockey, I, I, I get it. I don't know why the Capitals, but like, okay, cool. It has nothing to do with local, but like, God bless you. Have you ever considered the other things that we have? Have, have you ever thought about that? Like, have you ever considered maybe I'll go to a Morgan Coppin basketball game once? See what that's about. Why it is there are so many people in this community that care so much about it. They're not going to talk about it on SportsCenter. They're, they're not going to get the same play on Twitter. So I know why it is that you've been drawn to it's either a major professional sport or I don't care. But have you ever tried it? Never given it a shot. And I'll say the same thing about lacrosse in general. Obviously, for people there, for some people in our area, lacrosse is life. Like you care more about lacrosse than you care about anything else. I know those people. I know them well. I see them all the time. They're my people. And for some people, it's more like a passing thing. Like eh, I'll watch a championship game on Memorial Day if if one of the, if Maryland or Hopkins or somebody is in it. But otherwise, meh. I don't really care. This is the way to kind of indoctrinate yourself as a Maryland Hopkins game. And the fact that we get one this year when both teams are playing well, when both teams are viable Final Four contenders, creates a little bit more electricity for it. It's not, Patrick's not wrong. It would be be nicer if it was at Homewood Field. And it would, but for some people, you don't want to deal with that. Like, I'll, I'll be the defender of that too. The first thing I think of is how does Hopkins deal with tra- like traffic and parking? I, I, I'm so glad you brought that for up for these types of Charles. Events. It's kind of where I was going. Like th- that, th- I under I I feel that particularly now at 40. At when I was when I was I remember the first time I took myself to a Maryland Hopkins game, um, and I didn't I didn't care. Like I was so excited about it, and it was a packed. It was when they used to play it on Friday night, which was oh. God, that was the best. I don't know why I care so much more about it being Friday night than Saturday night. But like a Friday night, I was there, I want to say, 06? It's the 06 game is the first time I like have a memory of a Hopkins-Maryland game is because that was a game where Joe Walters from Maryland just went nuts. Like started doing things that... It didn't look like he was playing lacrosse. It looked like he was playing basketball. Like he looked like LeBron James. Just attacking and attacking and doing things. I was, was just like, able to take over. Yes, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, that wasn't the first one I went to, but I remember that game. That was at Homewood Field. It was definitely a Friday night, and I remember just I went. By the way, I went by myself. 
I had a buddy that was gonna go. I had a buddy that was gonna go with me, and he didn't. Show, this is I don't. This is before texting. Like we had cell phones. He wasn't answering his phone, and I was just like, "The hell with it. I'm going." And over the years, I've gone to lots of Hopkins games and like PL events where parking and tra- it's all been a nightmare for me. And legitimately, like if I don't get there 30 minutes before the game, am I certain that I'm going to get a seat? That's been a real problem at Hopkins Maryland games over the years. So if you're in that camp, you're like, dude, I go, but I kind of don't want to go when it's at Hopkins because I want to be comfortable. Well, Saturday night prevents presents that opportunity for you. If you don't, if you don't want to deal with the nightmares of a lot of people packed into a small place, and if you get claustrophobic and all of those things, at Maryland you're not going to deal with that. So my, I, I'm just. By the way, if you're going to Army Navy instead, all on board with that. That's another great game on Saturday night, and it's a game worth going to. This is not me, you know, specifically saying you can either go to Johns Hopkins, Maryland, or you're not you're terrible. But Hopkins, Maryland is something very unique for Baltimore sports fans. There are more connections. You know more local people that have played for these two programs. You might have gone to school with them. You might have lived down the street from them at some point. I would encourage that if you've never been, this is a great year to go. It's a great year. I haven't looked at the weather. I mean, I'd like to think it's going to be nice on Saturday night. I hope that it doesn't get ruined for me. I am, I am, I I unfortunately, so I have, this is like a very rare occasion in my life where I don't have a game Saturday night because Stevenson plays on Friday night. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so I've got a game. I've got a Loyola game Saturday afternoon, and then I have Saturday night free, and so I'm trying to talk my wife into taking the boys, and she's, all, she's of course, the one doing the math of, like, well, the game wouldn't be over until 9, and then we wouldn't be back until 10.30, and then I'm like, okay, calm down. Let's just go. <laughs> Let's just go anyway. So I want to take my sons because I like they're super into lacrosse now because they both play and I think it'd be cool for them to experience like a big game. Right. So I would like to take them on Saturday. Um, like even just the feeling of like, oh, they play lacrosse in this stadium. Like, right. They've, like, they've probably right. been to Maryland football games. Uh, no, they've been to basketball. They've never been to a football. Oh. Just because of my work schedule, it's just yeah. tough for me to take them to games. Right. Like it's yeah. a difficult. But seeing thing lacrosse to do. played in such a big stadium. Well, yeah, it's yeah. it's cool. It'll and so I'm trying to make it happen. I'm just imploring. If you've never, if you've never done it, I, I would often say we also we often used to do like the the bucket list thing. Like what are the what are the what are the things that you have to do? You have to experience as a Baltimore sports fan, right? And the easy ones are Orioles opening day, Preakness. Ravens, Steelers. Orioles World Series Parade. Yes, that would be nice. Like, I would like that to be on the list, but things that you can actually control. Like, you can go to all of these events, and those are easy ones. I, I would say you don't there you can't get five deep without Hopkins, Maryland, Lacrosse showing up on the list. And there are ones that are more, like, I think that I absolutely am of the belief that Morgan Cobb and basketball should be high on the list. I, some people say, well, you got to go to the Loyola Calvert Hall. I don't feel as strongly about Towson that as dodgeballs on that list. I think. No, no, yeah. not didn't quite make it, but I appreciate it. Continue to try to put it over. 
the average Joes. Um, is that what they are? It, no, the man the, was they're the outstanding the man, Tigers. The man was a national champion. Don't don't be disrespectful to him, yeah, Charles. Charles. Yeah. He was a who'd national. Who'd you guys beat? Who'd you guys beat? He'd be the Grand Valley State dude. Yeah, like six-time defending champs, yeah, right. and we took him down. Yeah. All right, so, uh, show show some respect. Okay, hey. some we're respect. down 2-0. That, they're in, uh, Came back one three two. Is that the one in Michigan or are they? It down? is Michigan. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it's where Matt Judon went. That's true. Yeah. That is correct. That's a great point. He won some sort of fishing event I saw over the weekend. There was really? like him, DeAndre Hopkins, and somebody else did like a celebrity fishing show on CBS. Did you see the video of AB trying to hold the fish and it was like flopping in his hands and he couldn't like get a good grasp on it? I did not see that video. No. I'll show you later. Uh, um, look, I, I, I don't think – I in fact, I would say outside of those first three, outside of Raven Steelers, Orioles opening day, and Preakness, that's where – I. I, I, it's more significant to me than random primetime Ravens game. It's more significant to me than, you know, Orioles-Yankees or Orioles-Red Sox, which are fine, but unfortunately tend to have yeah. a lot more fans from the other team involved over the years. Like, I think those are all good things, but I think that Hopkins-Maryland is more significant than any of those. Um, it, to, be a, to, to be a well-rounded, to, to be someone that really understands Baltimore sports... It used to be the back when, again, when when all these things mattered, these were the things that we had, like, at the old radio station, make hiring decisions based on this stuff. Like, cool, so you know about the Ravens. What else do you know about? Mm. Do you really know Baltimore sports, or do you just know the Ravens? And so, and I appreciate it. That was one of the things that I was, like, pr- of, there are very few things about that place that I was proud of, but I was kind of proud of that, that we didn't pretend like they were two sports that existed in Baltimore, that... Like, these things matter. By the way, I'm going to invite – I'm also going to invite a Navy lacrosse player on this week. We're going to try to uh, catch up with a Hopkins player this week, Navy player. I, I think I just realized I never actually talked to Maryland. We'll see. Maybe we'll squeeze Maryland in as well. Oh, I'm a little behind the eight ball on that one. Like, I, I care. I care. And I think we all should care. And I think we should be proud of something that matters, that's unique, and is ours. And I think that's cooler than trying to bite something that isn't ours. And that's not dis- – if you want to be I'm – a, I'm a Phoenix Suns fan. That has nothing to do with Baltimore. You have every right to do those things. But I think it's cooler to embrace and celebrate the things that are unique about us than it is to bite onto these other things. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That sounded like a sermon. It was, yeah. I, I don't mean it to be a preachy. I don't mean that. I just – there are certain things that I think that you should experience to be – a well-rounded Baltimore sports fan, and in order to be able to celebrate, I, I just wish that we could celebrate our own things. And Hopkins Maryland is a really cool, unique local rivalry. I don't want to burst the bubble. The what? weather Saturday night. Don't say this. Okay, I just won't. All right, fine. Go ahead. I think there's always what? Like a what is it? What does it say? Potential for heavy rainfall. Get the f out of here. Ninety percent chance of rain. But maybe that could be a good thing what because the s- Orioles play Saturday night. So if you're going to the Orioles game, they're not going to cancel the cross game for rain. No, they're not, but it's still <laughs> going to be unpleasant. I don't care for that. There will be a sport on that you can go to. So. Ay, 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 ay. Ay, ay, But I think to add to it, there's always something about watching a game or a sporting event in like a city atmosphere, and you don't get many opportunities like that in Baltimore given that. Obviously, the Ravens and the Orioles play, and they're the professional teams, but, like, not a lot of the college teams have, like, 
as well, esteemed. If, if you experienced locations either the Maryland like, uh, Loyola or Johns Hopkins Loyola lacrosse games at the beginning of the season, like, and I keep coming back, there are opportunities for you to experience something real that's unique, and those are those opportunities. Like you had those chances at the beginning of the year with Maryland Loyola and and Hopkins Loyola. And Hopkins is going to host the Big Ten tournament this year, and there's a chance that you're going to get a Hopkins-Maryland rematch in the Big Ten tournament at Homewood Field, which would be dope. And I would encourage you to check that out. <laughs> like, I'm, this is not me uniquely saying there's only one way to do this. But, you know, it's not it's not crazy. Hopkins-Maryland is a big deal, and I, and I think everybody should experience it. And I think this is a particularly cool year in order to experience it because both teams are very good. Both teams has a, have a legitimate chance. I, I, I don't, you know, they're they're not number one. Either one's number one. I, I, to Patrick's point, I think it's a stretch to say that Hopkins is a legitimate national title contender right now, but I don't know. They, they've been playing really good lacrosse. Like, if they beat Maryland on right. Saturday night, yeah. suddenly, who knows? Maybe you got to put them in that conversation. And they're definitely, I think, a Final Four contender for sure. Um, and then I feel like there was something else I wanted to say before we took a break, but we ran out of time. We need to get our break in before we talk to Pete Medhurst. So we'll do that next. We'll grab a break, then we'll come back in. We'll preview Orioles Nationals getting underway tonight. Our buddy Pete Medhurst, part of the Nationals broadcast team, will join us then. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, Mike Boddicker, talking baseball, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. You can find it in any of those locations. Stan the Fan Charles. Ross Grimsley, Mike Boddicker, Talking Baseball on Facebook Live. Pete Medhurst, our buddy, joins us next. He'll also tell us a little about Navy Army Lacrosse as well. That's on the way. Glenn Clark Radio. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adelaide, Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bataround with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Press Box Sports. 
Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? That's a fair question. By the way, here's a a wild story that I just saw pop up this morning. Brandon Bean, Bill's GM, says DeMar Hamlin has been cleared to resume full football activities. Man, I mean, like that's that's unbelievable. Like just really thinking about where uh, where that was. That is that is a really cool story, man. That uh, that's I know we kind of like the moment DeMar Hamlin was okay. We kind of stopped obsessing about DeMar Hamlin, but that's. Uh, just purely miraculous, man. Awesome. Awesome story. That was uh, neat to see this morning, and I was really happy about that. All right. Uh, Orioles and Nationals playing a quick two-game set down in D.C. this week. I always hate these weeks. I really don't care for there being two baseball games in the middle of the week and two off days during the course of the week. Like, we just got baseball back. Like, I don't need two off days in my life. Although I did, like, I did enjoy watching basketball last night. We'll talk more about that. A little bit later on in the show. But let's preview that. And uh, also we'll talk a little uh, Army-Navy lacrosse with our next guest. He's been part of the Nationals broadcast team for the last few years. He is also the voice of Navy Athletics. He is our friend, Mr. Pete Medhurst. And he's back with us now here on GCR. Pedro, what's going on, buddy? Glenn Clark Radio. Legend. What's up, buddy? How you doing, dude? Everything good? Hey, man. Sun's up outside and... uh... You know, ready to attack another day here. Um, you know, I mean, you mentioned what a great menu this week for the local sports fan. I mean, yeah. we've got, uh, you know, two great baseball games coming up, I think, over the next two nights. And then uh, on the weekend, uh, just an incredible lacrosse weekend as we wind down the regular season. So uh, just a great week for uh, local uh, sports fans here in the area. Can't wait to uh, can't wait to see it all on uh Unveiled. Hey, before we get to uh, Orioles Nationals, let me start with Navy Lacrosse because you're going to have to explain to me how how did this happen? What what flipped after what was obviously a mess of a start and injury issues, and it looked like things were going drastically the wrong way? What changed over the course of the last few weeks to allow Navy to be in this position? I, I think it's it's twofold, Glenn. I think first of all. You know, you had a team that lost significant leadership. Skaldiak going down, Swanson going down. You know, Xavier Arline not being able to get back to full strength. So when you lose three massive contributors to your six-on-six offense, uh, it becomes a huge deal. I think what happened is you saw some other leaders emerge. They've always felt they were a deep team. And there's a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing a gigantic role right now. Uh, A.J. Hernandez on the defensive end, Mac Haley, Henry Tolker up front, the emergence of Paul Garza now uh, as a second-line midfielder, the young fella out of Walkersville as a freshman, um, has made some game-changing plays 
in the last couple of weeks against teams like Loyola. And then this week, Lafayette had creeped back to within 6-5, and the tempo was at Lafayette's tempo. And then Garza unleashes a rocket from the perimeter and completely changed the fourth quarter uh, of that game. So, and, and let's face it, the last four games in this win streak, Glenn, they've actually had the same players on the field the mm-hmm. whole time. Uh, so that continuity uh, has been fantastic. And goalie Pat Ryan uh, has just been marvelous, oh. as fans saw in that Loyola My game God. when he made 23 saves on the night. Holy hell, was he unbelievable that particular night. Look, I, I know at this point they're going to have to you know continue this run. Like There's not a path for them to get in. Um, as an at-large, like can can they do at this point? Having seen what they did against Loyola and BU specifically, do you find yourself saying like, no, there's there's really a world in which they could beat every team they play between now and Selection Sunday? You know, Glenn, I thought coming into this season, I thought the Patriot League, if if everybody stayed healthy, I thought the Patriot League was legitimately four teams deep if not even a fifth, because with, you know, a face-off specialist like Sisselberger mm-hmm. and some solid returning guys uh, on both offense and defense, you knew Lehigh, I think, even had a, an opportunity to compete. So the league is really shaping up um, as, as tough as I thought it could be. I mean, Joe's kids at Army have played uh, very good lacrosse. They've been, they've been very consistent. Obviously, Cornell losing to them 11-10, uh, you know, uh, on Saturday, there's no shame in, in that defeat. Um, they've done everything that you know, they're supposed to do and, and, and in an impressive fashion. I mean, they knock off Rutgers uh, early in the season. So this is a very talented uh, lacrosse team. But I think on the right days, BU, Loyola, Navy, even Lehigh, all very capable uh, of playing, you know, with each other and the team that, you know, makes the fewest mistakes. I know it sounds cliche-ish, but, you know, I mean, Army's life and death a couple of weeks to go to win in Hamilton against Colgate. Um, so they're not unbeatable, but they're mighty damn good, I'll tell you that. So I think the Patriot League tournament uh, is shaping up to be just an yeah. amazing a uh, couple of days of lacrosse. No doubt. They can be absolutely electric. I am with you on that. All right, Pete Medhurst with us here on GCR. Orioles Nationals for two games this week. Pete, I asked this question, and I'm sure you understand what I'm asking. Generically, what are the Nationals in 2023? Like, what is their direction? <laughs> I, look, man, I, if you presented the opportunity in Baltimore to say, hey, you can win a World Series, but you might have to wander in the wilderness for a little while afterwards, I think we'd all say, yeah, okay, go ahead. Like, we'll, we'll sign up. We'll take that trade off. But what what is the franchise at this point here in 2023? Uh, you know, Glenn, that's a hell of a question. I, I'm not really sure what their, ide- what their identity is uh, right now. I think that identity is very much uh, in progress at this point. They've been in a ton of games. The record could be much better than 5-11. and 11. Uh, with a couple of key two-out hits here and there. That's the one thing that's really uh, – that's eluded them uh, tremendously so far uh, this year. But you're getting – you know, you're getting the kind of production all of a sudden that was expected of Victor Robles several years ago. Uh, and and that's been a pleasant surprise for this team. Um, Lane Thomas has played well. Joey Manessis is starting to find 
uh, the bat that he had a little bit last year. He got off to a slow start. Jamer Candelario, uh, over the last couple of days, been on fire. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, you're you're getting something from players you had no idea. I mean, Candelario is a guy that was supposed to be a really good player and has shown flashes of being that guy. But all of a sudden, he's 29 years old, and you know now when you you go multiple teams at the age of 29, you know this is a, this is a, a make or break year, I think, for Candelario uh, in terms of his career. I mean, Luis Garcia is a good young hitter at second base. He's only 23 years old. Kbert Ruiz is their catcher for the you know next six to eight years with the extension that he signed, and mechanically, defensively, he's fantastic. So. You know, you have to like what you, you see there. The ultimate question is, is, can any of these guys do it, Glenn, consistently? And we just, we just haven't seen it from any of them uh, through the course of their major league careers. There's no resume for any of these guys um, to point to and say, okay, yeah, we're going to get that from this guy. We're going to get that from that guy. There, there's just, it, there is no resume. I mean, Stone Garrett has come back up here, and he looks like, you know, Babe Ruth all of a sudden. <laughs> but can he keep that up? Uh, over the next uh, 10 to 20 games? Or is this just a, a short burst uh, of a guy that uh, right now finds himself 9 for 18 uh, at the plate for this baseball team since he's been recalled uh, from the minors? Okay, for the last couple of seasons, the Orioles were in a place where they were playing a lot of young players, some of whom you know we, we thought might have a chance to be a part of something, but it was a more defined rebuild. It is this a defined – obviously, we're past the days of tanking now in baseball because they've de-incentivized it. But, like, is this a defined rebuild for the Nationals? Or is it more, like, you know, with the, the questions about ownership moving forward and obviously there's still being, you know, no no settlement with Masson, which I believe has been an issue that we've been dealing with, I don't know, for 40 years at this point, I think since I've been alive. <laughs> um, like, is it a defined rebuild or more of like, hey, let's see who sticks from this group of young players – and at some point, maybe we'll spend money again. Like, I, that's the part that I'm struggling with. No, I mean, look, I, I don't, whatever you label it, um, the fact that they made the trades that they made and they have the young players in the system now that will reset the future, the guys that were yeah. the Bryce Harpers, the Steven Strasburgs, the Anthony Rendones, that led that first burst of championship baseball here uh, in in the Washington area, there's no doubt in my mind that the the kids that were acquired, James Wood, Elijah Green, Robert Hassel, um, you know, you got a couple of pitchers in there. One guy was throwing a bucko one the other night uh, down at single A ball, very impressively. So that's that's your your rebuild. It's not necessarily happening at the major league level. I mean, look at the veterans that came through Baltimore the last couple of years, guys that were just, you know, on other teams, they're, you know, fourth outfielders yep. or fifth infielders just to keep the team afloat while Mike Elias was trying to re- acquire the kind of young talent you need to replenish your minor league system. Well, Mike Rizzo is going through the same thing right now, not because he wants to, but that's just the situation that he's been put in because one minute you think there could be a potential sale and you know I understand what the learners are looking for in terms of price but I also understand why potential bidders um, would balk uh, at the Washington opportunity right now because as you mentioned correctly 
Uh, and I think even people who may entertain trying to put in a bid on the Orioles maybe yep. in the future. Um, you know, you're, you just don't know what the ultimate value of the franchise is, and that's very hard uh, to get people to spend that kind of money, get that kind of funding uh, to, to put into uh, a pro sports team uh, right now. And, and the, the ultimate thing is, as we've seen with all these regional sports networks, um, you know, Glenn, ironically, Masson might be in on better footing than a lot of these other ones out there. So that's the that's the amazing thing about all of what this. What a world, right? Is yeah, I mean, at least Masson's not underwater right now, like a lot of these other regional sports networks are. God, I mean, like it's true they're not a part of the Bally Sports Group, so they've got that going for them. But that's about the list of things. No, they're not Bally's. They're not yeah, Diamond. Right. They don't have Major League Baseball looking to sue them per se, you know, looking for their check. I mean, you got two teams right now that are like, Hey, where's our check? You know, we, you know, you know what it's like not to get paid, Glenn. Oh, do it. Do okay? I, do I ever do I, this you is, and I, you this and is... I have lived that hoss. Okay. <laughs> you know what it's like when you're sitting there waiting for a check that, you know, you basically got to threaten legal action to go get. And, and that's what these teams might have to do now to get uh, some money from some of these regional sports networks that oh. they thought they were going to have. Uh, to put into their franchise. Oh man! Well, <laughs> boy, Pete just made it really real. You guys, you'll, ne- you'll never hear that story, but Pete knows. Pete knows knows well. Hey, uh, um, it, it, that'll be chapter. Yeah. That'll be chapter five in the Glenn Clark biography. <laughs> oh man! Uh, hey, hey, dude, you got to do what you got to do. You know, you know, you got to do what you got to do around yep. here. Um, we're going to see – I, I want to bring up a couple guys, too, if I could. We're going to see Josiah Gray start for the Nationals tonight. Randomly, we found out last summer, huge Ravens fan, um, despite the fact that he has yeah. no connection to the area. Uh, just grew up really loving watching Ray Lewis and is a massive Ravens fan. Came out to training camp last summer, which was really neat. Um, do we know yet that Josiah Gray is definitely a major league pitcher? Um, I, you know, that's a great question. I, I think he. I think he has – the material, but I think he's a work in progress because, you know, he's added an, another pitch to his repertoire. They wanted it. They want him to change speeds more. He's got, you know, he's got a fastball. It's got some giddy up. Sometimes it stays straight when it does, he's susceptible to the long ball, but when he can get that thing to move a little bit, um, then, you know, he's a guy that pitches, I think in, in harder luck than an 0 three record, um, you know, indicates that it's real simple for him though, Glenn in 16 and two thirds. I mean, he's given up four home runs uh, so far on the year and he's, he's just got to keep the ball in the ballpark. Otherwise he pitches, you know, he pitches an exciting level of baseball. There's a competitiveness to him that I like, um, you know, you get some guys that just go up there and throw and, 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 you know, when, when it's all over with, they just kind of, you know, walk off, you know, realizing they can just go pick up their phone in the clubhouse, check their bank account, look at all the commas and zeros, and everybody's okay. But Mm -hmm. there's a fight to Josiah Gray. There's competitiveness to Josiah Gray that I like. Uh, Remember, I mean, it's a guy that at LeMoyne, the Division II level, started out as an infielder. It was going to be a shortstop, I think it was. Um, And then they eventually said, wait a minute, man, you got an electric arm. Let's see what you can do as a pitcher. So I think this is still – this is still very much a foundation of building. He's just doing it at the big league level. I mean, had he stayed in the Dodgers system, then then he's allowed to stay in the minor leagues. 
uh, and continue to develop properly. He's just learning on the job at the big league level and going through some of those growing pains. I do believe, though, there is a major league pitcher there uh, with Josiah Gray. And then, uh, look, man, a decade ago, the Orioles drafted Hunter Harvey in the first round, and he is a frustrating name for Orioles fans because he's brought up as a guy in an era of drafting where the Orioles had quite a few missteps and made a lot of decisions that were puzzling and trying to save money and I like Hunter Harvey a lot like as I got to know him I had a ton of conversations with him even when he was you know going through frustrating times he was a good dude it seemed like a year ago he was a borderline kind of revelation in the bullpen for the Nationals like what what did he become when he got away from Baltimore and was kind of able to focus and just sort of do one thing? I think it's, I think it's easy. Health. Yeah. I think he's just been healthy. He's been available. He's been able to pitch. How do you get better? By, by pitching. I, I, just, I think it's simply been health with him. I'm with you. I mean, I, re, I remember watching Hunter Harvey at Bowie a lot, and you could see, you could see there were tools in the toolbox. The, the ultimate question was every time he'd start making some progress, you know, I mean, he's a guy, he, he would, you know, injury would find him. I mean, that's, that's really the, the nuts and bolts in my mind as it pertains to Hunter Harvey. I mean, it's a guy that, you know, finally got to pitch in 38 games last year uh, at the big league level. It's by far and away the most he's been able to pitch um, at any level. Even when you combine the minor league levels uh, within a season, well, you can't tell me in the short term, um, that, that he's a guy that, that flashed even in Baltimore. When you go back, I think it was 19, he got into yeah. um, you know a handful of games, and you're like, yeah, this is the guy they, they think they're getting. There was always electricity in the arm. Uh, we saw it last year. I mean, you know, in 39 and a third, I think it was around 45 or 46 strikeouts uh, for him. So he's a guy that's got all the tools. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the biggest thing for him has just been staying healthy, my friend. And, you know, the one thing I love about him is, you know, he's a guy that when, when he comes, you know, into the game, he's, he's going to throw strikes. I don't have to worry about, you know, Hunter Harvey nibbling up there uh, at the plate. That's a guy that's going to that's gonna challenge people. And, and sometimes you get burned when you, when you do that. But that's a guy that's always had the toolbox. And, um, you know, when he shows up, you, you know you're going to get uh, something big. Uh, from him you just hope he can stay healthy and he's become a a very reliable piece uh in their bullpen right now trying to get that bridge to Kyle Finnegan in the uh, back end and boy with the Orioles bullpen struggle somebody that maybe could have helped around here uh at the moment Pete Medhurst but you know what yeah. hey, hey but but in, in defending the Orioles though on that Glenn you couldn't at that point oh yeah no, you I, were, right. you're like you didn't know that he was going to turn back into this player. So, I mean, that's the yeah. – and, again, when, when a guy – you know with pitchers especially, when a guy consistently comes up lame, at some point a team has got to fish or cut bait on that guy. And, and look, sometimes, sometimes guys do reclimate. Some nope. guys, sometimes guys find themselves. So, I mean, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, I can't wait to see a, a late-inning matchup over the next two nights potentially with Harvey and Rutschman or Mountcastle, yep. uh, somebody like that. I mean, it's going to be electric. It's going to be an electric matchup uh, I, I, late in the game. Pete, so, I, 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 I mean, it like... if Baltimore's offense is 
awesome right oh, it's now. Incredible. It's, it's incredible. It's awesome. It's incredible. Now, again, they could use a little bit more pitching, and they probably should have invested a little bit more. But Jorge Mateo is a revelation this season. Like I, I liked Jorge Mateo a year ago, but the guy that's up there taking pitches, working counts. I mean, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I, I make the comparison. It's obviously a far. I'm not trying to compare Hunter Harvey to Jake Arrieta, Pete. But I said for years, like. I can be disappointed about how things worked out with Jake Arrieta and still not blame the Orioles over it. I, I don't think Jake Arrieta was ever going to be this guy in Baltimore, and they were left when they were trying to compete, they were kind of left with no choice but to have to make a move. So I don't blame the Orioles over it. It's just painful when the bullpen's an issue and they're running you know, Austin Voth back out there to get his ass kicked again um, and seeing somebody that they had succeed elsewhere. Look, I think Washington had the same thing with Lucas Giolito. Sure. So, yep. you know, I think Lucas Giolito is kind of yep. like, their, you know, Baltimore's Jake Arrieta in, in terms of that comparison. Yep. I, and I think it's valid. And, and you know, I mean, look, general managers and baseball people get paid big money to make, you know, critical decisions. Sometimes, sometimes they're tough decisions. Sometimes guys do find greener pastures uh, somewhere else. But, um, you know, I'm with you 100%. Jake Arrieta was never going to work out like that in Baltimore. And, you know, you just it, you give him credit for finding it uh, after leaving there because there was so much expected of him there. And we saw again, we saw in the minor leagues, we watched him grow up and, and you're like, man, this is a guy that, that may have the goods uh, to be a, a, a cornerstone of your rotation. But, um, you know, dude, you got an offense that is averaging five point eight eight runs a game right now. If the pitching for that team ever becomes reasonably consistent i mean they're going to be eventually right there with the yankees uh with the rays and the blue jays in that division because let's face it dude you have to have some offense uh to compete uh with the jays and with the yankees and what the rays are getting pitching wise i mean drew rasmussen came through uh you know i was doing a postgame show when he pitched here that was their number four starter yeah He's their number four yep. guy they rolled out. Yep. And he's just throwing seeds out there. Uh, so you you don't know if Tampa's pitching will be that elite uh, for the entire season, but my goodness, if it's even remotely close. Uh, and the Blue Jays did get to him a little bit over the weekend finally. So, you know, that that they proved a little bit human over the weekend. But, I mean, my goodness, what a division. Uh, the, the American League East is going to be uh, pretty much all season as long as nobody incurs a – a large injury, even though the Yankees have already lost Giancarlo Stanton here for a little yeah. bit. Uh, it'd be, it, it's nice to not have to play those teams quite as much. That is uh, that is uh, good news for the Baltimore Orioles Oof. this season. Pete, uh, obviously... No 19, yeah. no 19 games against the Rays and the yeah. Jays yeah. and the Yankees. Much so. better. Much better off. Uh, I know uh, WNAV on Saturday night for Army-Navy. Is there anything else I can plug for you, my friends? Um, Not yet. <laughs> okay, I will. I will wait with bated breath for the day that there is something else, or I will look forward to it. At Pete Medhurst, not yet on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. You know I love you, brother. Always appreciate you. Let's talk soon. All right. You got it. Anytime, pal. Have a good one. Thanks, man. Pete Medhurst, uh, of course, uh, Nationals uh, broadcast team, and of course, uh, Navy play-by-play voice taking a couple of minutes for us here this morning. Orioles Nationals tonight at the. Dean Kramer on the mound. And a couple of people were talking yesterday, like, is, is Dean Kramer, like, the guy that's kind of pitching for his life tonight now? That after they come out of this, you know, stretch this week where they're going to skip a couple of guys, like, is he the guy who 
is really at jeopardy of. I guess if you have enough faith in Brad, Zimmerman well, or no, Bradish would be returning at that tomorrow, point. right? No, Bradish is going to return tomorrow. Yeah, but they're going to. Well, he's already kind of replaced Irvin, right? It's not essentially. Bradish oh, Bradish is replacing yeah. Irvin because yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. I guess I wasn't doing so that got correctly. So somewhat yeah. more sa- more of a leash, I guess. You say that, right? right? But, I mean, like, if he comes out and lets well, like six and runs and, and four it, innings. And if your point is that they have a stretch of five straight days after this, like Friday, I don't think they they don't have an off day on Monday, so they're going to need a fifth pitcher next week. Now they could always bullpen for a day, I guess. Like that would be an option in this process. I, I think again, I know it wasn't too soon for the decision they made on Cole Irvin, right? Like they made a bold decision on Cole Irvin. So I guess we can't say it's too soon. And there's nobody to to your point, Griffin, that's demanding. It's not like DL Hall is demanding that he immediately be elevated, but at some point, you know, h- how many more innings is it worth him throwing in Triple A, right? Like I I don't know that Dean Kramer's pitching for his job tonight, but I certainly get it. This team, if they want to contend, can't just continue to throw guys out there every fifth day and get their brains beat in. They have to make difficult decisions and say we got to try something else because we are attempting to win. It's no longer just you get to go out there and struggle and struggle and struggle some more. Like at some point, they'll have to make a decision in that process. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. So you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Griffin, look at this uh, paper. Make sure that's make sure that's accurate here. We're going to get back into some uh, Lamar Jackson conversation this morning. If you missed it earlier today, I did move the meter back to 90%. Lamar Lamar meter update was back to 90% after Tim Barbales dropped it down all the way to 80 81 yesterday. So Again, moved it all the way back up to 90% on the Lamar meter. That's what we did. Of course, that's in reaction in part a lot of conversation in the last 24 hours about the impact of Jalen Hurts' contract, what it means for the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I told you I'm not sure. In a normal world, it would mean that it feels like the market's been set, but it's felt like the market's been set before now, and yet nothing changed. So I don't know. Let's talk more about it. Our next guest wrote something today for Yahoo Sports. She was talking about the winners and losers in the Jalen Hurts contract and referenced the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, and you can probably figure out which side she thought they were on when it comes to this. She is Yahoo Sports NFL writer Jory Epstein, and she's with us now here on GCR. Jory, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. You bet. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Uh, Jory, I'm in a weird place, right? Because inherently, I think Lamar Jackson's, this is bad news for him. And it's one more player that wasn't willing to fight for a Deshaun Watson contract. And I do think it should be thought of as good news for the Baltimore Ravens. But everything about these negotiations have been so bizarre, I'm just not really sure what it actually matters. I don't know that we can even use logical analysis and project it onto the Lamar Jackson situation. Yeah, I think it's a fair question because, like you said, so many twists and turns have come in this deal and then so many NFL deals that it's hard to make any sweeping assertions. But what I will say is that 
I had an NFC executive tell me last week when I was writing about what Odell's signing meant to Lamar that Mm -hmm. he thinks Lamar needs to realize Deshaun Watson was an anomaly. He was a one-off. And going forward, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, they're not going to get fully guaranteed contracts. And I think Jalen Hurts was an example of that. So the more we see that the quarterback market might may, may rise, but it doesn't change inherently in its structure, I think it makes it harder for Lamar Jackson to get the deal that he thought he wanted. I, I, I inherently agree with that. And I think it was always obvious the Ravens weren't going to be a team that were going to go there unless someone else did. And then they could say, hey, look, it wasn't our fault. You guys put a fully guaranteed offer out there. So we had to match it. The fact that no one is, I, I think it's clear. But if I, I guess the weird part for me is like, if you're Lamar and you've been hellbent on this, do you just tuck your tail between your legs? Like what? I don't know what you do. I don't know that you just walk in and say, well, I tried, now I give up, versus saying, look, I'm still going to do anything in my power to try to make it seem like I have leverage over you because at the end of the day, you clearly need me. That's why you went out and overspent for Odell Beckham. Absolutely. No, I think it's really difficult because – If you're Lamar, well, I don't have direct reporting on the numbers that he got, but a lot of the reporting I'm seeing out there is that Lamar's deal was very similar in structure and in in cost to what Jalen Hurts just got, and he's already turned that down. So if you're Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert starting fresh, you can say, hey, that's the floor. Like, that's what quarterbacks are worth. I've done as much as him, especially if you're Joe Burrow and you've been to a Super Bowl. That With Lamar, I mean, you have people who will say, even if he – is a former MVP, and even if he has the talent, his health late in the season is concerning. His playoff record is con- is not necessarily concerning, but it doesn't help his case relative to a Jalen Hurts who went to the Super Bowl. So I don't know how soon it will change, but I still think that, I mean, if I were a betting woman today, I would guess that he plays out the franchise tag. I think it would be really difficult to get the money he wants without having more leverage, and I think it would be really difficult to, to come to a to terms on a deal before this season and before July 17th, which is when they would need to just give him, like you said, how, how much he's been dug in. He is, she is Jory, Jory Epstein, and she is with us here on GCR. Jory, I, I, that, again, going back to trying to, to analyze this and trying to take this information, I, I think it's relevant, right? Like I think everything about Jalen Hurts and his deal, it's a contemporary, it's a guy in that world. I, I do think that there is the flip side of it, like – what is it worth to the Baltimore Ravens is the part that I haven't been able to figure out. To say, hey, we're right, right? Like, this is what the market has shown, and we nailed it, and we knew that there there wasn't going to be a market out there that you thought there was going to be, and we've been right all along is great. But that still doesn't give you a quarterback long term, and it still puts you at risk if he does play out on the tag that, you know, you have to do this again next year, pay him even more, and then run the risk of him walking away for a third-round compensatory pick. Like, it... Is there a breaking point on the other side where even if you're right and even if you did this right at every turn, at some point you might have to consider overpaying or else risking this never working out for you and this player, even if you think you've handled it appropriately? Yeah, I mean, I think if I'm the Ravens, I'm saying, let's play this year in a tag. Lamar wanted to go elsewhere. Well, we didn't give him an exclusive franchise tag. We allowed him to negotiate with other teams and look where that's gotten him. I think that if you give another franchise tag year, you have another set of data of, hey, did Lamar stay healthy this year? How did he play with a guy like OBJ? What has he shown he's worth? You'll also have a couple more contracts in the borough and Herbert, if not others, that will tell you. And I think there could come a time when Lamar realizes that if no more fully guaranteed quarterback contracts come up, which I think is the most likely possibility, 
then maybe Lamar will reassess. I think what's difficult is that you hear people say, in any negotiation, particularly with the quarterback and the team, there's got to be give and take on both sides. And Lamar is not going to win on every aspect. And that doesn't mean that he can't win on some, and it doesn't mean the Ravens right. should win on all of them. But that's just not how negotiations will work. One person will get their structure, another person will get their guarantees. We'll probably, yeah, it was funny when I'm reporting on this yesterday, and I'm like, eh, we're saying, and I've got good sourcing time. This is what Jalen just got, but... When you look at the, the structure and when these guarantees kick in, yep. it probably will actually not quite look the way that we think it looks right now. And so you can spin it in a certain way to make it look like you've won, but the reality is that the Ravens aren't going to let him win on every front. So I think that there will have to be an ability to come to terms. It'll also be interesting. He seems so dug in on not having an agent. Will that change in the year if he still doesn't have the deal done? I don't think so based off what we've seen, but I think it would get the deal done a lot more quickly and a lot more favorably. Jory, let me let me project this out, right? It, let's say that Lamar says, I don't care what anybody else does. I want to ride this thing out. I want to do the Kirk Cousins thing, and I'm going to go to true free agency. If this was a really open market, do you think there would have been a chance that someone would have been willing to say, ah, the hell with it. We don't have to give up any picks. Let's do this. Let's go ahead and just give the guy the fully guaranteed deal and get it over with. That's the part that I continue to struggle with because I I, I think it's fair to criticize Lamar or at least second-guess the decisions that he's made. But is there a chance that if he's really willing to ride this out and do the Kirk Cousins bit, that he, like Kirk Cousins can find out there is one team that would be out there that would be willing to give you the fully guaranteed deal that you want? That's a great question because I think there's two aspects that play with what you said. One is that when Kurt got that deal and when Deshaun Watson got that deal, Deshaun had sat out for a year in this demand. He like That was required. Kirk had played out two taxes on the security. Lamar has not reached that point where he's got that level of leverage yet. And so I think that that is necessary before you start to have some of these kinds of demands. I think when you look at Kirk Cousins' deal also, yes, he got full guarantees, but he didn't reset the market in terms of total value. Right. And so you have to understand, and he got, what was it, a three-year deal, two-year deal, depending on which deal you're, you're talking about. And so it wasn't five years fully guaranteed. And so, again, I think that goes back to the idea that you might get full guarantees, but it's going to be a shorter deal, and you're probably going to have to do a couple of years betting on yourself on the franchise tag, which... You could make the case both ways, and yes, you can max out, but also given Lamar's injury history, do you want to do that? And given how much he uses his legs, which are a depreciating asset. I do think the team wants him. I think that also you have how de- desperate sounds like a little bit of a harsh word, but how serious is a team that kind of like the Jets with Aaron Rodgers this year, where they feel like that is their missing piece and they have the team assembled? Because if you're going to give Lamar a deal like that, you're going to upset other people around the league. You're going to set this precedent. You're going to yep. make it harder in your other negotiations, just given how un, um, unusual and rare fully guaranteed contracts are, that I think that the circumstances would have to be so unique um, that I don't know that a team is going to – I think a team would give him a fully guaranteed contract that's like 80% of what he could get in total value. Interesting. It, it, look, I, and I, 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 I understand everything you're saying, and I, I'm – Boy, it's e- again, it's easy for me to sit back and say, and you're losing money in the process, right? Or losing potential money in the process, so why not just do a deal? But if he is, for whatever reason, if he's hell-bent on this, and I, whether it's because, you know, he thinks that he has been, you know, done wrong in this process, he thinks there's been a conspiracy against him, he thinks there's been collusion, I don't know. If he's dug in on this, I, I still don't know what changes. Like, I, I just keep coming back to that. Like, I... I don't know what the next step is 
in order to make this work, even if we accept everything as fact, that this is the market now, this is where he is, but he still has to be the one to make the decision to say, okay, fine, I'll accept that, and he's given us no inclination that he will, and that's the tough part. Absolutely, and it's funny, even just hearing myself say this, I feel strange because a lot of times I am very pro-player, and the players should get what they're worth, and even if it's way more money than most of us will ever make in our lives, and that they're getting in a year, they have the right to demand what it's worth. And it's not like, like the money's going somewhere. This is part of the salary cap. So it's not like, oh, you get to save it. I mean, there are restrictions anyway. What I, what I do think is the case though. I mean, I don't know. I just think one of the thing that, things that interest me in terms of the Odell Beckham pickup is that Odell, we'll see what he can do on the field. But he's got this charisma and this energy that Lamar seems to attract you. To me, it was very telling that Lamar yep. was not only happy he was there, but willing to post about him. Because, again, that was like the first positive Ravens-related post we've seen from him since, I don't know, November. No maybe. question. And I think that, I mean, I, I've been based in Dallas the last seven years until about a month ago, and the Cowboys were recruiting Odell pretty hard. And I had some guys in the locker room who were taking Odell to the Mavs game, even when he wasn't even cleared to play while he was on his visit. And other guys say, hey, if he wants to help us win, great. But if he wants to be here for a circus, we don't need a circus. But maybe in some ways the reasons do need a circus, not a circus in the sense of things going crazy, but one, a distraction, and two, just this like infusion of positive energy, which I think Odell is capable of providing, particularly when he gets along well with the quarterback. And I think that Odell might also be someone who says, like, look, I saw what it was like to not get a deal last year when I wanted it. I had to bet on myself with this one-year deal. Odell got more money from the Ravens than I expected him to get. And quite frankly, when I saw the $15 million tag, I was shocked at how much it ended up right. being guaranteed. But I think that that'll be an interesting perspective, too. And it doesn't mean that Lamar will totally change his perspective, get an agent, take a 60% guaranteed contract, et cetera. But I think over the course of the next year, we – if he plays out this tag, which I think he would be wise to do, because if he doesn't, I think it'll be really difficult for him to get the kind of deal he wants. I think if he plays out this tag, there will be new information impacting the decision that will allow the negotiations to reach a point where it's not just, hey, he changed his mind, because they will be operating within a different framework. Well, I know you wrote about it, and I saw that. I, like, I'm going to add another layer to it, Jory. I thought, and, it, and combined with the Michael Lombardi report from last week, I wonder if it's interesting that we've always said this was simply about money with Lamar Jackson, and maybe there's a little bit coming out now that's like, hey, by the way, also, you've really kind of screwed me at the wide receiver position over these years. Like, I, I've i been really nice about it, and I haven't been a diva, and I haven't freaked out, and I've been a good soldier, but, like, you have done nothing for me. Like, you, you can say, well, we spent two first-round picks, and then you got rid of one of them and replaced them with nothing, and... It, it, by the way, and it was a historic wide receiver draft, and you got me like the 10th best one from that draft in Hollywood Brown. Like, I do wonder if there was a little bit that was coming out with this that was, hey, I, yes, I want money, but I also want you to stop devaluing wide receiver and then trying to negotiate against me about production when you're the ones that have failed to put guys out on the field, whereas Jalen Hurts has been given, you know, caviar, and I've been trying to deal with like a ham sandwich. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's fair. You can't compare the offensive supporting cast that Jalen and Lamar have had. And I was actually pretty shocked last week to read that since the Ravens became an organization in 1996, they've never had a Pro Bowl receiver unless you count Devin Duvernay at special teams, which I don't. So so I think that that, one, speaks to what Lamar has done and he should be given more credit. And I think, two, I don't know where Odell plays into it. Do I think, as Mark Dominic, the former NFL GM, told me last week that Signing Odell is an olive branch of sorts of like, hey, we're going to try. Yes. 
Do I think that we know how healthy he'll be, how much he'll be able to have an impact? Like, it would be great if Odell could do for Lamar and the Ravens what he did for Matthew Stafford and the Rams in that Super Bowl run. But can he do that after now two ACL pairs, not playing at all last year? I mean, I think there are question marks. And so if I were the Ravens, I mean, I think you need to draft a receiver very, very early this year. And I think you need to continue to put those pieces around him. I'm also really interested in what the Todd Munkin offense will look like because he's got more of a receiver background, which to me makes an Odell acquisition more valuable than if you were still with Greg Roman. So I think that there are different pieces in play from a coordinator standpoint to a receiver standpoint. I don't think that they've got them all in play. And I think maybe that's something that if you're Lamar, you say, hey, if you can get me A, B, and C, yep. that's great. But I also think that where teams sometimes run into trouble, and I've seen this a lot with the Cowboys rhetoric, is, hey, Jack, if you're making $40 million, we're not going to get you all your receivers. Like You need to elevate the supporting cast. And while the quarterback does need to, like you said, a Jalen Hurts, I mean, so many of these guys around the league who are playing at a high level, unless you're Patrick Mahomes post Tyreek Hill, these guys have the supporting cast also, and it's just a little bit unrealistic to not give them that. So I don't know. I, I, I think that also, though, when you look at the length of the Odell contract that one year, oh. to me, that's a team that's saying, let's see what Lamar is going to do on the franchise tag. It's not a team that's saying, here's Odell for four years with a Lamar exception. I, I, I agree with that, although, again, like they're also tied in for a lot of dead money on the cap if Odell's not around the following year. So I, I, it definitely comes off like they're hoping it's an experiment that works out because otherwise it's going to cost them a significant penalty in 2024 if Odell Beckham's not around. It'll be like $10 million in dead cap space, and that is that's a – you, you want to question the money they're paying him. That is an even more <laughs> questionable part. I, you would much rather that just sort of come off now and not be a penalty you pay later. Uh, Jory Epstein, what can we plug for you? I know it's at Jory Epstein on Twitter and, of course, Yahoo Sports, and we're going to retweet uh, what you wrote about Jalen Hurts and the impact. But what else can we plug for you? I appreciate that. You know, I'll actually go a non-sports route since you asked. Um, today I'm actually Holocaust Remembrance Day, and, and I wrote the memoir of a Holocaust survivor who who – Passed a year ago today, called The Upstander, the story of Max Bobin. So since you asked, um, I'll, I'll put that up That's there, wonderful. that um, helping me carry on Max's memory and mission, I, I mean, I, that would mean the most. So I really appreciate you asking. And you know what? I just saw that uh, if you go to Jory's Twitter account, again, at Jory Epstein, uh, it is linked there in her bio, a link to the book. And so you can pick it up that way. And that's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, Jory, really appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for doing this. We'd love to catch up again down the road. You too. Looking forward to it. Thanks for your time, Glenn. Jory Epstein with us here on GCR again. I, I, I keep coming back to it. I understand all the logic. I understand all of it. I understand all of the reasonable analysis that's being done about this. I just, like, this is one of those situations where you're like, dude, it's three plus three, so it equals six. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know it's supposed to be that. I'm just not certain that it is. I, there is a giant enigma in all of this, which is that it's not binary. I don't know. And at the end of the day, it still requires Lamar Jackson to just come back and say, all right, fine. I acquiesce. I relent. And I just don't know what we've seen that suggests that's what he's going to do. And you can try to be reasonable about it and say, well, nothing is going to change. 
to Jory's point, I don't know if Lamar Jackson isn't saying to himself, I'll live with it. Tag me twice. Either you're paying me fully guaranteed or I'm going to go find out if the market will. And he might get his feelings hurt then too. But if he's decided this is this is the cross he wants to bear, this is the burden he wants to carry of being the guy that's fighting for a fully guaranteed contract, then, you know, that's his right. Or for overwhelmingly fully guaranteed, because we have been told it doesn't have to be fully, fully guaranteed, but overwhelmingly fully guaranteed. Far more fully guaranteed than his offer and than even the offer, than even the contract that Jalen Hurts signed. You can disagree. You can not like it. You can feel however you want to feel about it. But I just don't know that we can reasonably project that this definitively means that that's where this is headed. I think it would be unreasonable to project that based on what we've known so far. To to the point, if Joe Burrow falls in line, if... You know, J- Justin Herbert falls in line and their contracts are very similar to what Jalen Hurts got, then I, I, it looks bleak. It looks impossible. But Lamar's point might remain. Those guys are negotiating with one team. I don't want to negotiate with one team. I want to negotiate with every team. And the Ravens can say, well, we gave you that opportunity. We gave you the non-exclusive tag. And he can say, but then you cleared enough space to remind everybody that you were going to sign me anyway. So you didn't really give me that a chance. I don't know. I don't know, and it's frustrating because we want to be able to use reason and logic and all of those things, and we think that the path is clear, and we think it's obvious what Lamar Jackson should do. But it don't work that way. It, It just... He's got to choose that. And I'll continue to say, at some point, you can ignore it and pretend like it doesn't, but at some point, it becomes problematic for the Ravens. And you guys wanted to ignore that it was already problematic for the Ravens. And maybe you think that Odell Beckham saves it. that It saves the offseason. Their offseason was a success simply because they got Odell Beckham. If you feel that way, you feel that way. I'm, I'm not sure that I agree with you, I don't. I think they're. It definitely makes it less of a failure. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> definitely that. I agree with that, and it's exciting, and I get that it's exciting. How much better of a team right. do I think they are than they were at the end of the year? I mean, yeah, we're just gonna have to wait and see if I, it has yeah, the if I, it has the Rams effect. I don't know. know. I, I like that's the problem. I don't know. They weren't able to. They, they still don't have a second corner. And it's easy for us to sit back and say, like, well, they'll get that in the draft. Okay, well, that means they can't do anything else. And it's still easy for us to say, well, we're pretty convinced they'll be able to replace, um, you know, th- th- we've ignored the fact that they lost Ben Powers. Like, we've just kind of pretended like it didn't happen. I, I ended up getting it back and forth to read about this. She's like, well, they've got, they've always been able to find that. Like, I, I think you're right. I, and I think she's not, she's not wrong. Like, if there are positions where you believe the Ravens are going to be capable of figuring it out, guard is always right up there. They have a great track record of figuring it out at guard over the years. But they still have to do it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that it can't be a mess to start the season. Every time we wanted to believe that Ben Cleveland was a thing, 
he kind of got thrown right back in our yeah. faces. So if you're if it's got to be cornerback in round one, then it can't be guard. Maybe they think Jalen Armour Davis is a can it turn the saw a lot about saw a good bit, bit of that last year. Not quite as comfortable about it. Oh. Um, and I still like you're putting a lot of faith in David Ajabo. You're putting a lot of faith in Jay Adot not Jason No Way Adafe Way. It used to be Jason No Way. We sh- maybe we need to start calling him Jason. Maybe yeah, you should go back. In right? <laughs> uh, Adafe Way and. David Ajabo. And again, I I like the Dafe Owe. I don't know that I can continue <laughs> to say that. And I like David Ajabo, but am I confident? I don't I don't think I can say that. So like we can keep ignoring it and say, well, it hasn't really hurt the Ravens because it hasn't hurt them drastically yet, right? Like that's what we're really saying. Until it hurts them drastically, it hasn't hurt them. Mm-hmm. But it has hurt them, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And it could hurt them drastically. Is it worth it? We can keep making this a one-way street and say it's all on Lamar Jackson. He should just accept it. This is the market. Deal with it. But does that make you feel better if in two years the Ravens don't have a quarterback? Because, again, it's easy to say, well, they'll just tag him again next year, right? Like, and we'll go through this all again. We'll keep Lamar metering it up. I mean, I think it is interesting to point out that that what Jory pointed out, that uh, that, that Kirk had to play under the tag twice before right. he, you know, before he, he you know, had a ton of leverage, enough leverage to go out and hit a free, mar- hit, hit a free market. And, and that might very well be. Look, there were rumors of Lamar Jackson considering that years ago, that he just doesn't care the way that, other people care about things. I, I don't, and again, because he doesn't really want to talk about it. How's that interview coming along? When are we going to get to see that, by the way? Remember a month ago he teased an oh, interview? Right. <laughs> 60 minutes. With when, a, still editing it. When, when are we seeing that, exactly? And, like, you hope that means that. This is how he built suspense. When Smart. he did it, like, he was upset with the Ravens, and he decided he wasn't as upset with the Ravens, yeah, so he doesn't want to yeah. air it. Like, I, I have no idea. But a month ago... There was a tease of an interview, and we still haven't seen it. Maybe that's all it was. They were just like, hey, let's like put a trailer together. And, uh, I don't know, man. It's a really weird bit. It just went away. A month ago, that happened. And it's somewhere with the plane that we lost a decade ago, and we never bothered to find Weird stuff. All right, we'll come back in. We'll get yeah, maybe that's what it, they just accidentally deleted it. And- <laughs> <laughs> they haven't felt like re- reshooting. I, and I don't know that I blame them, but it's the difficult part about it. Until we have on the record Lamar saying, whatever, I, we're we're making assumptions. So I'm making assumptions too. Maybe it is that Lamar it, just, just, again, acquiesces, that this is the moment where he just says, all right, fine. I tried. Maybe it is. But how are you, what are you basing that off of if you've decided that's what's happening? Like what, what do you have that makes you say this is the moment that Lamar breaks down? This is the moment where he comes back crawling. What are you basing that off of? I keep trying to say, to me, anything is on the table. Anything. Yes, I think the Odell Beckham, the fact they were partying together, it's the reason why the Lamar made her skyrocketed. Combined with Michael Lombardi. The Ravens said, what do you want? Or He told the Ravens what, what he wanted. They got at least somewhat of that. 
And he went out. He's happy. He likes Odell Beckham. He wants to play with him. But that might only be this year. Mm-hmm. That might just be a one-year thing and say, hey, we'll go out and have fun together, but I'm still telling you I'm doing two tags and I'm, then I'm beating cheeks. Yeah. That's the way it's going to go. I don't know. It, uh-huh. it is still tough to maybe to see if he he'll play if he'll actually play on the non-exclusive tag rather. No, I, than... I'd still contend there's no chance of that, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe again, like he hasn't cared about playing for less money than he was worth the last couple of years. Right. Maybe he doesn't care about it this year. Maybe this really is just a fundamental. I feel like I'm doing something and fighting for fully guaranteed contracts, and so I don't really care about anything else. Annual average value doesn't matter to me. You know, I care about one thing. I don't know. I don't, it's tough. It's tough. So what if they give him a one-year, you know? Well, that's what tag <laughs> is essentially is a fully yeah. guaranteed contract, right? Like that's it's it, that might be why he doesn't care and he's willing to play for the tag. Like it's fully guaranteed, but it ain't fully guaranteed for four years down the road. And there's more. Like if you make forty-nine million dollars this year, let's just say they bump it up to that number, and Jalen Hurts has one hundred and eleven million dollars of the fully guaranteed money. He's still got full, more fully guaranteed money than you do. Even if it's not fully guaranteed, there's still more of it that is. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I get it. I'm sick of it too, but yet I'm going to continue to talk about it every day because it's what we do. All right. Uh, today's show has also been brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com/slash/offers. You can bet on baseball in Maryland for the first time on your phone. And so why wouldn't you take advantage of great offers and incentives? Like right now, if you go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, click on the points bet logo, get five second chance bets when you deposit and bet your first $50. PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, again, to take advantage of that. We'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit and tube to wrap it up. Glenn Clark Radio. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Costasin has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. This is pretty funny. Uh, report today, LSU is currently hosting Louisville transfer Haley Van Lith on an official visit. If you don't remember, Haley Van Lith was the player that Caitlin Clark was originally getting into it with when Iowa played Louisville. The original... You can't see me. Oh right, okay. Was in reaction to Haley Van Lith, who's now potentially going to join up with Angel with Reese, Angel Reese at LSU. Angel Reese got her back. Creates potentially one of the like, all-time blood feuds in the history. That is that was wild, man. I just saw that pop up. Uh, Tyron Matthew was tweeting about it this morning. It was a report from On Three Sports that uh, Haley Van Lith is visiting LSU. Yo. That would be wild. That would be cool. All right. um, Winding down for a Tuesday edition of the program. I was telling you yesterday, uh, there is some awesome sales going on right now at birdlandsports.com, including uh, this T-shirt, the birds in – oh, no, that's not that one. Did we give that one away? We did. We gave that one to someone, didn't we? Maybe I have it. I might have. The 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 birds? The birds. I might have that that one in the wire lettering. Um, there's a two-pack with that shirt and the Gunnar Henderson Maverick-style shirt where it's the Maverick logo, but it says mm-hmm. Gunnar instead. Those two shirts together normally would be $50. Because they're $25 each, right? Which is a pretty good price for a T-shirt. Still better than what you're going to pay when you try to get a shirt at the ballpark anymore. Mm-hmm. Right now, those two shirts combined, just 20 bucks, Not $20 each, which would be a sale, $20 total for those two shirts right now at birdlandsports.com. So I would encourage you to wander over today because you never know at what point that number might move. Birdlandsports.com for Birds fans, by Birds fans. Get that two-pack, the Birds and the Gunner shirt, right now for just $20. Take advantage of it again at birdlandsports.com. Let's. Is there anything I wanted? I did watch the basketball last night. Well, I watched the second game. I didn't watch the Sixers game. What the hell happened there? Nobody scored. Yeah, I didn't watch any of that game. That yeah, that series is like that one. There's always every year that one series that just goes by, and you're just like, oh, somebody but what, got swept. Like, I, I the only time I looked at it, it was like eighty three yeah. seventy five, and I was like, it says three minutes left. And I was like, didn't, okay, in the third quarter. I think Ernie said it was like there's been twenty three games w- during the entire season where there where neither team scored a hundred points. I mean, so I I didn't watch very it. Very so down, very down. I didn't have to worry about it, yeah. but damn, it seemed it really makes sense though. I mean, for those the Nets and the Sixers, they they're the most offensively challenged teams in these playoffs. I'd say. Okay, 
Yeah. And then the Warriors went uh, down 0-2, which is not something we've ever seen like before. They're not going to have Draymond Green next game. So uh, let me talk about it for a second, right? It's obviously not cool to stomp on somebody. It's clearly not acceptable to just say, well, his, his, le- his leg was grabbed, so... And this is Draymond Green. Like, this is part of who he's been throughout the course of his career. I I don't know. It's, there is a big... To me, there's something different about a premeditated situation where you're trying to go out of your way to hurt someone versus I'm pissed off because you're grabbing on my leg and so I'm going to react. doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it acceptable. Anything along those lines. He deserved to pick up a flagrant two and get it tossed out of the game. But I do think in how we judge it, we have to judge it differently. Like, I do think in whatever the penalty is going to be, I can't I can't possibly be surprised at this point if he's, to your point, suspended for game three. Now, I also don't know if, like, they announced the suspension. When did they, When is game three? Because this is the weird bit where there's going to be, like, three days between games, yeah. right? Um, because yeah. there's, it, it is 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Thursday, April 20th is game three. Thurs- no, it's Thursday. Yeah. So it's only two nights. So it's some word where they like announce suspension today. He appeals it, gets to yeah. play game three, and then, and then misses game four. Because game three feels really big now. Like you, mm-hmm. they absolutely have to win game three. They they had gone. So the Warriors had gone twenty seven straight playoff series right, without before, being down yes, without being down 0-2. They also became the fifth uh, defending champ to fall behind two zero in in the first round. Each of the prior four went on to lose the series. Well, I mean, not, there's not a lot of teams that have come out of yeah. down 2-0 in general, right? Three went like, on to get swept. Um, so. I, it don't look great. No, it does not. I, I still, I'm not willing to say the series is over. I do think that Sacramento has benefited from sort of a wild um, home court advantage in the first two games, and they've played really, really well. How about Alex Len? This is like, it's the... It's the Mark Turgeon Kings, by the way. <laughs> like it's the revenge of Mark Turgeon. Do you think right he's there? Now. Do you think he was at any of those games? I mean, I don't know why. If if he's got good relationships yeah. with those guys, I would probably try to go. Like remind everybody, hey, you guys think I suck, but like, hello, an NBA was like, out here. Hello, look at what uh, look at what I was able to produce. Um, I'm not willing to say that I think the series is over. I don't. I mean, this is still Steph Curry that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And while last night, like he was clearly attacking the rim as much as he could because his shot was not falling last night and clay thompson didn't get going until it was a little bit too late um i'm still not willing to write him off it is you know it's been a bummer is recognizing because like they've been drastically outplayed when steph's been off the floor and i get it the warriors have to keep steph off the floor given the injuries he's been through and now his age that's the bummer of this is the realization that like we really are coming to the end with steph curry not not like the end to end, but like the end of. He might he might never qualify for an end of season award again since these guys got to play sixty five yeah. games. Well, I think it's almost certain yeah. that that's the case. It, I mean, he had twenty eight last night, and it's not like a LeBron twenty eight or a KD twenty eight where you feel the impact. You don't feel the impact. I disagree with that. Like him, he was attacking last night. It was a different type of Steph. Well, I say it's different. Steph always been really good at attacking the rim. Like it's insane for his size how good he's been at attacking the rim because he's just so slippery. Like in two in two steps, you're like, how did how did that just happen? And you know what it is because he's so active, right? And like defenders have to chase him around and chase him around and chase him around. There was a great video from Game One 
of I don't remember who was defending him, but Fox, I think. Was it was it Fox, Fox made a comment on like, that at the end of the ch- game. Chasing and chasing and chasing. And you feel like you've played unbelievably good defense and suddenly on like the fourth time around, he just steps through and you're like, What I did everything I could possibly do and I still somehow got beat on this play. He was attacking well last night, but it's a different when Steph's shot isn't going, it doesn't feel like they're lethal. Mm-hmm. When his shot's going, you know. and, and when his shot's going, he injects life into other guys. Like Correct. he had a qu- calm twenty-eight, but like you look at the the box score, um, Jordan Poole, sixteen minutes, four points. Yeah, that's to me the feels bigger, like it, Steph Curry needs to play well for Jordan Poole it, to play well. The bigger story is like Jordan Poole felt like the difference maker post Durant for the Warriors, right? And Jordan Poole was a non-factor, an utter non-factor, and so. I don't. I don't think they can overcome that. Again, I'm not willing to say the series is over. They go win two in San Francisco with their home court advantage. All it takes is winning a game five on the yeah, road. Then again, this is a young Kings team, not Correct. a deep Kings team. They start either. to feel a little bit of doubt. Yeah. Um, it's not. They, they, so last year they split. How did this, the finals work last year? They split the two games in Boston, right? Or how did? They, wait, you know, take me. Take yeah. me through. Last year they were the first two games in San Francisco, and they split those. God, this is gonna drive me nuts. They were in Boston. No. Huh? Started on. Uh, uh, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I'll I'll get it. Yeah, they uh, were in, they they started in Golden State. They started in San Francisco, but they lost Game One, right? And it felt like in that moment, oh, it, oh crap! Like, you know, and they were behind again, two one, and you were like, all right, this, and all it took for them was to win Game Four on the road, and then all of a sudden the series was completely was different and yeah. they turned around and won game five on the road as well and and, and seized it um but it just took them winning it, until it, there's the old saying the series hasn't begun until a team's went on the road and like it's cliche but you understand why it exists this is all well and good but what but sacramento all they've really done is hold home court and that can go away in a game five or a game seven so i'm just not i'm not going to overreact to it I, it's wild because we just haven't seen it happen before, and it's a statement that those of you that were doubting Sacramento, they are legitimate. I mean, there really were people that were like ready to just completely write off Sacramento and say, you know, nice, nice story, but you're gonna get your ass kicked. I still don't know that they'll win the series, but they have just doing this alone backed up that they were no fluke, that there is something real happening there. Um, you know, they were talking a lot in the broadcast last night about Harrison Barnes' future. I get it. Harrison Barnes was I think, really helpful, but could that money be better spent somewhere else? Like, is there another option for them? Are are even if something exciting has happened there, are there still really players that are willing to go play in Sacramento? Like, that's yeah, unfortunately part of the conversation. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's real though. I think this is a tailor made shot for them to kind of slay a big team in the West. I look at a lot of other teams in the West where it's like. Given, because like I'm gonna say it again, the Kings are not very deep, and so there's a lot of teams that are deep in the West and have the star power. I think they're catching a team in the Warriors. Like having Harrison Barnes is huge. Like he knows those guys yeah, on the Warriors, I, 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 and yeah. they have the for the players that they do have, they match what the Warriors have. Like Malik Monk, you have a long guard. That's very similar to Andrew Wiggins. De'Aaron Fox, very right. similar to a quick guard like Steph Curry. I hear you. Sabonis, bi- uh, big stretch four, very similar to Draymond Green, probably better than Draymond Green. So, like, they can match where the Warriors are strong at, 
And I think they could win this series. It just becomes then when they go to the next round where there's like real star power. What you're trying to say is this all ends with the Lakers somehow winning the West. Somehow going from the yeah. play no, I can even I even look at a team like the Clippers or the Suns, whoever comes out of that series. Yeah, it's a kind of important game tonight, by the way. Really putting it, on, putting it on the Kings next all right. round. All right, we got to wrap up. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the print issue of Pressbox, which is still available today, and then it's gone. This is it. Last day. If you haven't gotten it, go get it. Tomorrow, the new issue uh, with Jackson, the Jackson Holiday illustration on the cover and the story about what still exists in the Orioles pipeline, that even though Adley and Gunner and um, uh, Grayson Rodriguez are here, that's not the end of it. There's still a lot coming. Um, that Luke Jackson dives into that in the new print issue of Pressbox, which hits stands tomorrow. What you got? Uh, quick uh, tidbit, I guess, because the Orioles, they are the best over team in baseball. Hey! They're 11-4-1. Hey! Over-under set at 8.5 tonight, and the Nats are also, they're 9-6 and six, uh, to, to, to the over this season, so uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a little something Not many low-scoring games. So. Yeah. Um, all right, on Sunday night, Chris Paul had his 578th career double-double across the playoffs and regular season. It was the first of his career that did not include points in the double-double. Because he had to say he only had seven points. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Five hundred seventy-eight, and uh, one of them did before not AD points. got injured. He was on track to get a triple double with blocks, and I was like, man, this that dude is, is that's wild. Something else. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. became the second youngest player to ever win Defensive Player of the Year, uh, behind only uh, the who was younger, two thousand eight. In 2009, uh, Dwight Howard, who won the Defensive Player of the Year sure. that year. <laughs> Could have been here for a while. Yeah. I don't remember who won NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, and then Kevin Durant, so he's now on a personal seven-game postseason losing streak that started back in 2021 in the East Semis with uh, with the Nets. Okay. Uh, however, he has averaged 30.3 points per game in those seven losses. Um, there's another player who went on uh, a seven-game losing streak in that is Michael Jordan. He scored 38 points a game uh, in his seven game in his personal seven game losing streak during his playoff career. So just just interesting. Okay, there, that how about high that? scores? Uh, and then Tyrese Maxey last night he joined Allen Iverson as the uh, only other 76er player to ever have multiple 30 point uh, 30 point game and five three point made field goals okay. in the in the playoff game. Say that one more time. 30, so 30? five three five threes 30 points. I okay. uh, became the second player to do this multiple times for the Sixers ever. Second player to do it multiple times for the Sixers yep. ever. Yeah, I couldn't think of one because even someone like Andre Iguodala wasn't really a three point yeah. shooter at this time. Iverson was not a who. So are you asking so, me? Uh, yeah. So so my question is, what players have the most? There are oh. eight well, who players. Who was the other one to do it for Philly? Uh, yeah, Allen Iverson. It was Iverson. Yes, okay, Iverson. Um, and there are eight players who have ten games as such in the playoffs with thirty points and five threes. Oh, we Steph. talked in length, yeah. Yes, Steph. Steph. 37, far and away the most yeah. of anyone. Uh, Clay. Clay, yeah. Clay is third on this list. Damian Lillard. 13. Damian Lillard on this list with 11. Kobe. Kobe did not crack this list. He only had seven games. So how many did you have to have? Five. Uh, you needed to have 10 games played to make the it's top It's a little eight, surprise that Kobe eight. didn't have yeah. 10. A lot of mid-range. Was, I know, yeah. but it's still a little surprising mm-hmm. that he didn't get there. Um, Again, just James cheer- Harden. James Harden is second on this list, 17 games, so 20 games behind Steph. Like, I, sheer opportunity, I'll go with LeBron. Uh, that you would be correct. LeBron James has 10 games of 30 and five threes. It's just sheer opportunity. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it. Um, all right, so how many were there total? Because we got five. Uh, yes, three more. Three more. Uh, Ray Allen. 
Ray Allen just outside, also seven games, only seven for Ray Allen, just outside the top eight. That's a little surprising. Has Luka Doncic even played ten playoff games? Uh, he he has because yeah, he has right eight up. of these. Um, oh. but he's so he is just outside the top eight here. That dude's tied for, tied for uh, tenth. Somehow it's Devin Booker. It is uh, not Devin Booker. Devin Booker has four games in the playoffs as such. Mm. All right, it's all right. Walk us through. Kyle Dur- Lowry. Kyle Lowry's a good guess. He only has six though. Again, yeah. I'll go up. Durant. Yes, Kevin Durant oh, has yeah. ten as well. Uh, Two more. One active, one uh, non-active. One active, one inactive. There's no chance the inactive is Joe Johnson, is it? It is not Joe Johnson. All right. All right. He is a broadcaster. He's a broadcast. Kenny Smith? Reggie Kenny Miller. Smith. Reggie Miller, no, yes. Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller also has 10 games of 30 and 5 threes. And then this one plays tonight for the Cavs, suiting up for the Cavs. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan all Mitchell. Red, wow. Yeah, 11. He has 11 games. He's tied with Lillard for... 30 points and five threes. Like he's had enough opportunity. In in but they, yeah, if you think yeah. about it, he didn't miss the playoffs with the I Jazz. Hear you, I hear you. All right. So there you go. All right. Very good. Um, Tubular is brought to you today by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning. A.J. Michaels heating, A.C. plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. All right, Orioles, Nationals tonight and down in D.C. Orioles broadcast is on Masson 2. Nationals broadcast is on Masson. At least it's not, this, not the combined booth crap that they did all yeah. those years ago. Dean Kramer, Josiah Gray, 7 o'clock. MLB Network, Angels, Yankees at 7. ESPN Plus, Maryland, George Washington baseball at 3. And then Georgetown Loyola lacrosse tonight at 7. I'll have that one for you. Uh, Stevenson lacrosse is at Messiah at 7 uh, on their website. NBA playoffs, indeed, continue tonight. TNT, Knicks-Cavs game 2 at 7.30. Clippers-Suns game 2 at 10. So I'll get to go right from doing the Loyola game to uh, stress eating, which will be a, a lot of fun for me. I'll just be dumping dumping bags of trail mix down my throat as I stress watch the Suns tonight. Can't wait for that. That was a great first game, though. So, I mean, you'll be enjoyed regardless. No. No, I won't. I didn't enjoy anything. What are you? What is this wrong is good with basketball. you? It's sports, okay. Glenn. Good basketball. Imagine saying that to somebody. Your team has suffered a you crushing defeat. You watched two of defeat, the greatest. And you're duel. like, well, gee, gosh, golly, but it was just a lot of fun. Get the entire f. That out Monday of here night with game that. with the Ravens and the Browns when Lamar came out of the it's, locker room. They that won. Was a, yeah, they won the game. It was still an incredible. Tell game. me about the fun that you had watching <laughs> a game that the Ravens lost. Tell me about it. Name it. Name the game that was super fun for you to watch that the Ravens lost. Um, let's see. We yep, exactly right. Now NBA TV. He Hawks Celtics we, game two at okay. seven. You can't. The the when we lost when we missed the playoffs last year in week seventeen or I guess it was week eighteen. So that way I knew that we were going to get a higher draft pick. So I was I was excited. I was chanting Sauce Gardner le- leaving the. Uh, what stadium. a psychopath you are! Yeah. <laughs> it's a completely different scenario. <laughs> ESPN NHL playoffs continue tonight. Lightning Maple Leafs game one at 7.30. Kraken Avalanche game one at 10. TBS has Rangers Devils game one at 7. Then they have Mets Dodgers at 10. ESPN 2 has Jets Golden Knights game one at 9.30. Uh, Champions League this afternoon on Paramount Plus. Napoli AC Milan at 3. Chelsea Real Madrid at 3. Anything non-sports wise and do it quickly. we got to go. Uh, on Je- so Jeopardy tonight at 7. Uh, Towson native for guy kid, kid oh, from yeah, Baltimore. Daniel Chirokia uh, Ch- is okay. his name. And so he, he won last night so he will uh, be playing again once, a ni- once again tonight on okay. Jeopardy. On Fox uh, uh, Woody Harrelson's going to be on Colbert. Apparently he's brothers with Matthew McConaughey. 
What? Yeah, like they felt they like they someone did like a DNA test or something, and and I, I don't know if that's what he's what what, what he's what they're talking about. But what are you talking about? Woody Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey are apparently like real life blood brothers, like, and someone felt like they're like half brothers or Says something. Because he could be his half brother. All right, that's a, I, I, I don't have time for this. I'm sorry. This is Anna de Armas on Fallon. Be. Alex Borstein's doing a uh, a uh, comedy special on Prime Video. So that's and those are the highlights. He's apparently for saying that it's possible that his mom had sex with Matthew McConaughey's dad. Or hang on, the other way around. You know what? I don't. I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. So they're brothers. They're brothers, basically. Something like that. I don't have it in me. God. All right. Uh, thanks today to Jory Epstein. Thanks also to Jarrett Bell as well as to Patrick Stevens and to Pete Medhurst. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at Anything tomorrow? Stuff and things. Stuff and things. Things are going well here. Things are going well. Got to, if you know, you or somebody you know would be interested in joining Glenn Clark Radio, please email Glenn at ClarkRadio at gmail.com. Thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Charles at charles.ap28 on Twitter. Uh, thanks to Griffin at griffin underscore bass is how you can follow him um, on Twitter. You're on Instagram. You're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Follow us I'm Twitter. on Instagram, too. Nobody cares. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. We got to go. Have a good Tuesday night. Go, Birds. Uh, Go Loyola Lacrosse. Go Stevenson Lacrosse. Duke sucks.